Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, On today's episode, I go into the weirdest interview possibly could could have happened. Not because of what we talked about, but about because of how it happened. So today's guest is Craig Fowler, and he is uh, such a nice person. And I was so lucky to be able to score this interview. And within 24 hours of me talking to him on the phone, he was sitting in the living room um, talking to me about you know his life, where he's at, where he's headed, most importantly, where he's been, and kind of how he got there, which seems like uh, a really extraordinary life that he's been able to live. And he's doing it uh, pretty modestly and just a fascinating, fascinating interview. So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Craig Fowler of the One in Seven Project. All right, so I'm sitting here with someone that I have never had never heard of before about two days ago when the wonders of Instagram led me to him. His name is Craig Fowler, and I found him on Instagram, immediately knew that he was the kind of person that I wanted for the podcast. I did a little bit of background check on him just to look and see what his story was, Um, but a little bit of his resume. I'm going to abbreviate very, very brief. This is the Reader's Digest. This guy's resume is incredible. So uh, Craig Fowler, he is a thru-hiking triple crowner. He did the AT, the PCT, the CDT, and threw in the long trail there also. So he's a long-distance hiking triple crowner. He is also a cycling or bikepacking triple crowner, and he did the Tour Divide, the Colorado Trail, the Arizona Trail, and those are just the big ones. He's done other ones. His resume for cycling was three times the length of those three trails. So Craig Fowler, I really, really appreciate the short notice and you coming to hang out with me today, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, making the offer and giving me a chance to come and uh, share those stories. So let's talk about um, just your resume. Is there any other highlights that I missed? I got the big ones. Um, Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of cycling ones in there. Uh, It's funny because a lot of people know me from the cycling world, and they're like, wait, you thru-hiked? And they're like, what? They don't get it, and hikers think that I'm a hiker. So it's like if they don't know me from my other world, they uh, they miss them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, cycling-wise, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a yeah, it's good. I mean, those are the the bikepacking were the bigger ones. I mean, I won a couple championships here and there, but I also know that I was a big fish in a small pond. So I kind of take them with, like, you know, for what they are, they're, you know, so, yeah. Um, so one thing that I really liked is your the way you describe yourself, an endurance athlete, a hiker, a cyclist, and a chocolate chip and cookie and th- aficionado, which is a very, that's a $5 word. That's, that's a good way to describe yourself. Uh, whenever um, I looked at your Instagram, I wondered, what is this one in seven project all about? And I never realized that two days later I would be sitting down with a guy who is the only person in recorded history that we know of. Uh, so to be a triple crowner in hiking and bikepacking, correct? Correct, yep. That is uh, that is correct. From I compared the 20 or so names of, through, of the bikepackers to the 
I don't know what it is now in through hiking. Maybe it gets in close to 400, but at that time it was like 300 and change. And I said, I just sat there and looked at every single one and no one had done both. And I just went with like, well, unless they didn't record it, I'm it. That's absolutely incredible that you got the triple crowns in both. I don't know anyone that would even come close. How many miles do you have under your belt? Of those six trails, it's 11,602 miles, at least for me, because obviously everyone's PCT and through and CDT are different. Um, so, yeah. So I would say that uh, it's a safe bet that you have double the mileage under your belt that I do. And I thought I was kind of doing pretty well at 5,000 miles whenever I hit that on the PCT this year. Yeah. 11,000 miles. Is, how many oil changes is that? Like four, five? I guess it depends on your car. I think I, on my new van, it's probably one. Who knows? Yeah. Um, well, as I always say, it's all, it's all relative. You know, we all do our own thing at our own speed. So So what was the, the big thing that inspired the one in seven? Pro, it's a project. And you're, yeah. it sounds like you're, you're kicking butt on all fronts on the project. What was the one thing that inspired it? The one thing that inspired it was um, right after the CDT, I had finished it and... It was a, kind of a tough time for me. I mean, I'll admit now, like at the time I didn't know, but like throughout, I would say, you know, September of 2015 when I finished the CDT through all of um, 2016, I was, just, I was just depressed. Like I had basically, it was a 30-year goal to do the Triple Crown. And when I, because I first hiked Katai when I was like 13 and that's when I learned about it. And, you know, to do it 15 years later than to do, you know, the, the rest of the, the the triple crown it was about 30 years i had you know it was 30 year goal and now it's over like you know what do you do it's kind of like when people retire they're kind of lost for a while and i watched the movie the martian with matt damon um and in the movie he's stranded alone on you know on mars and he's trying to get to this aries 4 launch site and on the way he realizes he's the only person ever be on a planet alone and he's like first guy over there first guy up that hill and it just made me really stuck it just hit a chord with me um, of like, well, that'd be really cool to be known as someone who's, you know, been the first to do something. And it got me thinking of what is, you know, what is there in my life that I could do? You know, I'm not an Olympian. I'm not going to do this or that, you know, and, you know, we already had been to the moon and, you know, so I was like, I just was looked around and I said, Hey, I love bike packing. And I've been, you know, this, my friend of mine has been pushing me to do it. And it's a natural fit as a biker all my life and then taking these you know sabbaticals from cycling life to become a through hiker i was like it's the same thing it's hiking on your bike i was like you know and i was like why not you know and i'm always looking to raise my the raise the bar pretty much you know i do nothing as simple anymore it's always like well i could do the tahoe rim trail you know on the way to you know i'm not just going to do the jmt i'm going to do the tahoe rim on the way and i'm going to do it in like two and a half days or whatever stupid plan i i throw out there as a possibility so it just became kind of um a, a, it was a natural fit to like all right i'm doing the bike packing and after a little research like we said i figured out that yeah this is what it is so so your heart is in cycling and you're just a hiker on the on the weekends yeah, well, I, I walked as a lot as a kid. My on my dad's side, my um, my dad's grandfather, he uh, always took us for walks on the railroad tracks near his house, and I was the one who like looked down to the you know one direction. You could see the the tracks went out and curved out of sight, and I'd always be like, well, what's around the corner? You know, we'd go to the corner, and then you could see the next corner. I'd be like, well, Gramp, what's around that corner? And that was the same way with hiking. I'll be like, I'm just going to go up to that next whatever, that next pass or whatever, and I'll look for a flat spot. And I get there and I keep going. It's, it's always like in life, like what's around the next corner? And that's always pushing me. So um, 
in that sense, like, I, it kind of was instilled in me as a kid, like, hiking and camping with my parents. But in high school, when I got a mountain bike, you know, it was um, my first mountain bike. It really kind of opened the world up to me. It was like when you're a small child, you know, you crawl, and then you, or you're in a crib first, then you crawl, and then you get to walk. And then from walking, you know, as a kid, your world is a certain area, and you get a bicycle, and your parents let you go further. And that's how my life's been. Like, these different tools have made it go larger. So as a mountain biker, when I got a bike, it just was like, it just kind of hit home. But, I mean, I, so I like to think that I'm more of a cyclist just because I've been doing that probably longer and more of it. But, yeah, so it's a toss-up. It depends on the day sometimes. Like, this this road trip, I'm a, I'm a disc golfer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm playing disc golf everywhere. And yeah. back in September, it was Atlantic salmon fishing in Quebec. So it all depends on what day you get me. So Yeah, yeah. it sounds like uh, – I wonder if that's a common trait between – long-distance hikers, because I remember as a kid the same feeling whenever I would go hiking, and it's kind of come back to me now where I'll go hiking, and I always like, what if I did a half more mile, or what's, you know, what's up around this corner, or what's over that mountain? Yeah. Like, it was, it was always, you know, what's coming next, what's coming next? Um, you talked a little bit about depression. Have you, so you've experienced post-trail depression, and... Oh, yeah, like, I back on the AT, didn't really know what it was in 2001, you know. It wasn't, it was just like... You know the you know PTSD with veterans. When it first came about, like we just didn't diagnose it. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know what we, were, we, were, we weren't. We didn't know to look for it. And uh, but for sure, every, after every single one of them, it's kind of like, as you probably experienced. You know, you finish it. You've been living in a tent. You live out of a backpack. You know, everything is simple. And then you come back to society, and it's like part of you doesn't want to leave the trail. Part of you's like exhausted and wants to be done. But part of you's like this life is so simple. It's you know, and it makes, and it's easy, and uh, it's enjoyable, and then you go home, and you're kind of like, well, if you don't have a plan of what you're going to do next, you're kind of torn, so like, yeah, I've definitely, after all my hikes, and I think that I have a plan, but even when you have a plan, it's still just like, it's hard to let that, you know, go, it's it's a, it's a, it's really enjoyable, I mean, that's why I do it, so. I, um, I definitely know exactly what post-trail depression is about. You know, it's, it's been really hard. I've only been home for like a month now, and it's been hard because I don't have Canada anymore. Like, Canada's not my goal. I've already reached it. Yeah, you need it. a new goal, yeah. yeah. How do you, you know, how do you combat that, just, you know, setting new goals? Or what is it that you do to, to try to avoid and, and minimize that? I mean, I've I need been, help, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I and mean, it's a tough one. People always ask. I've been, I've been trying to work on it. I've been trying to think about it because I... I was gonna. I was started writing an article about it, about it. And I never got it. It was one of those blog posts you start and just kind of put aside until you can really f- nail it. And mm-hmm. that's part of my perfectionist, where I just have to like just write it and be okay with it. But I think for me, uh, part of it is just involving yourself with other people that are, that experience the trail itself. Just like you know, vets might do. You know, like you know, they go and they you know and talk whatever it might be. Um, but so, like, just staying connected to the to the trail family because it becomes a family, as you know. You out there, you hike. You know, even if my friend I'm going to see later, who we laughed about, lives five minutes from you, who which we didn't know, who's a thru hiker. Um, I met him once in Harper's Ferry when I told him how I got my trail name, and that was like 15 minutes as I ate ice cream, and then I didn't meet him again until monson and we then spent like a half a day walking from like antlers to white's landing and then he forgot his wallet so we had to go back and i went on and i've seen him more than i've seen some of my friends that i spent from mass to monson with so it's like you never know so spending time with like you know staying connected with those those groups 
But then, I, I mean, I think the real thing is, on top of that, is you know, like I said, just having that next goal in place, and being accepting that that goal might not be a Canada or something like that, but it's still worthwhile in your mind, you know. But I think it really comes down to too is just knowing what it is that you want, you know. And it's hard because if you're so focused on one thing, sometimes you're not focused on what is next, you know. So it's but that's where like I said, you know, you mention what your plan is moving forward and you just got to stay focused on that and you know have that plan so yeah you know. so interesting you know you did the at in 2001 that was a long time ago it was a really <laughs> long time ago you still have you know someone that you spent very little time with who is you know basically like family and it's it's yeah. interesting the way that that we bond with each other and i know that the other day i was just in a funk and i needed to go hiking and i knew that that's what i had to do i actually tried running which i don't like running i ran it was like man i forgot how much i hated running <laughs> and um i wanted to just be around people and uh i think that just get communic or you know getting together with other hikers that have experience is the best thing to do it's just hard yeah. I, I don't know maybe that's why it was such a great thing that i reached out to you it <laughs> is, is my therapy today. i mean sometimes it's just going in reading other people's for me sometimes i've like when i've missed the trail i've just gone and found someone's journal that seems interesting and i'll just start from their day one and you live vicariously like people do through like me sometimes like people tell me like oh i totally live you know through your trails it's like i go and i mean i do the same thing and i'm just like you know like i said i always try to tell people like i'm just like you like that I don't you know though they think you're different because of what you do yeah i think that's part of that is like that addicting social media thing where i can look at someone's social media and look and see what you're doing or go back through and read your you know see your pictures and live there's bike packing trips and see that and i know what you're kind of going through or your hikes um and i think that's one of the reasons why i've been on my phone so much since i've been home because i'm trying to like feel connected to the community in some way because you know i'm i don't have i know a lot of people around here and i don't know anybody that's a hiker around here you know so uh it's just that like trying to find those people so um one of the things that was really interesting whenever i i reached out to you was that you were coming through the area i just happened to see on your instagram story that you were like oh you know i'm in new jersey and i'm like oh jersey that's not that far away and then i heard that you're coming through the baltimore area and you're playing disc golf so that seems to be like the new kick that you're on what's the story with that because i know it's bigger than just disc golf uh yeah well after i did the at i came i started February 28th or 7th, 28th, because the leap year is 29, right? So 28th, and our fr my friend started before me. We call ourselves the Dose, the dose Elite because we started so early. <laughs> you know, it was cold. It's going to be. And um, I finished like I finished August 29th. I mean, it was early. That was know? early. Really early. Yeah. And uh, I pretty much played ball golf with my dad for most of August into September. And I went from a ridiculous like a slice because I had this big open grip, and I ended up t turning the faith club face and all this, and to a hook to a slice within like one match. And I got to the point where I was just hating the game. I was like, Dad, I was like, stop paying for me to go play golf with you. I don't want to play anymore. And I had remembered where I grew up. There's a there's a state park called Borderland State Park. It's in the north end of my town, and that's where I mountain biked a lot. And that's where I kind of learned to like to kind of gave me my technical skills. I I'd like to think I still have today, even though out west isn't as technical anymore. But I mountain bike there. I remember mountain biking, and I saw these cages, these baskets, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And in the in the uh, little visitor center, they had some frisbees left over from one of their tournaments, and I bought one. It was, a, and I still ha I actually lost it 
this spring, and then I was in Alaska, and I got a call on that last bikepacking trip. Someone had found it. Because you had your phone number on it. Yeah. And uh, they said, hey, I found your disc, and I had lost like three. And I was like, which one? And it was this Borderland Spring Fling from 2001, and I still have it. It's just uh, rock. It's all beat up, and I was like, so now it's sitting at home in a in my memoirs box and I kept it but I went and tried it and I played it and I was just hooked because I was in the woods you know I was after the AT I was in the woods I was walking you know kind of doing a hiking it was in a park that already associated with a happy feeling of biking and I'm just competitive so it's like you know it's a, one of those sports where you can continually try to get better and you know get the ace and and it was just something that I've played off and on over the years since then and I was I'm, I'm a total list guy so what I was like <laughs> I have a list you of all the courses. Yeah, I have the I have the list of courses I've played in in the states, and I was like, people people go for like the highest points in every state. And I'm like, I'm going to play disc golf in every state. So if I'm driving to Colorado and I'm not going directly through the Midwest on like 70 or 80, like most people would, as me, I'm going from Mass to Georgia to Alabama through Texas. I might even pick up a through hiker that I don't even know, just like you and I, who I met on Instagram, who saw my trip and asked me about the Arizona Trail. Uh, I might pick him up at the border of the CDT, and then I'm going to drive back to Colorado, and I'm going to see like 15 people, and some of them I haven't seen tomorrow night. I'm going to see my buddy from high school. I haven't seen him probably since graduation, and he lives in uh, Jacksonville, uh, North Carolina. It's like so. I'm like, why not? So I'm like, I'm going to play disc golf in every state. So that's, a, so <laughs> that's, that's where you saw that story, and I was like, and I last night I tried to play in Delaware, uh, and uh, I my shoulder was killing me from all the golf I was playing, and it was a really really long course, like the longest I've ever played, and I was like. This is going to take three hours. I don't have three hours. So I'm going two hours out of my way to go play a three-hour round of disc golf. When I'm supposed to be going to North Carolina, I'm going back to Delaware. Going back to Delaware to tag that, tag to get that. that tally. Just to get that tally. Because like, I was like, when am I going back in Delaware? When I drive back, if I drive back from Mass, I'm not going to cut through Delaware. I'm going to be going up through, like, you know, western New York or something like that. Yeah. Or even better, go through Canada. Last night, uh, whenever we talked, I said, you know, I'm going to this, this golf outing. It's a, a benefit golf outing, and I have not golfed in 18 years, which is exactly how many years ago I was a high school senior. I'm not a golfer by any means, and I'm always like, man, I, you know, I should golf. It'll get me outdoors, and maybe I need to change that. Instead of ball golf, start playing some disc golf. Um, it'll help me get, get outdoors. So how oh, many yeah. states do you have down now? Um, let's see. I think I was at... 11 before hit Rhode Island, 12 New York's 13, PA's 14. So I think I'll be at, today will be 15. And if I do Maryland later, I'm going to try to get Maryland tonight too. I don't know what's going to happen. It might be like 16. <laughs> but I have over busy. 40 courses, yeah. You are yeah, busy, yeah, man. Yeah, because most of the courses in Maryland are kind of north of the city because once you get, you know, I forgot the Bethesda was right near the line of my friend, so mm -hmm. I kind of have to play. But it all depends on how much daylight we have, yeah. so we'll see. So what else is in your memoirs box? I have one too. Oh, um, well, there's, there was this, like, the certificates for the CDT. Mm -hmm. um, I made a, this is, sounds kind of, I don't know the word I want. I'm like, I'm self-involved, but, like, I, I took, like, ten different photos of myself making faces inside my tent one day. And uh, kind of granular, unfortunately, because I was inside my tent. It was a little dull. And I said, vote. And people voted on one and picked one, and I made one of those fat heads. And I have that in there with a giant beard in my hair. It's pretty funny. But there's like some racing stuff, a few racing trophies, and uh, like my old Bruins shirt that I have, like with the Andy Moog's name on it, things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, my cousin told me, he's like, he has one crate, like a chest. If it doesn't fit in there, he doesn't keep it, you know, just to kind of downsize. And I took that. So 
Yeah. That's cool because I have my actually mine's in the other room. I pulled some some things out of like it. Like a footlocker, yeah. You just it's felt, just like yeah. this is my. If any, if the house goes on fire, I'm gonna grab the dog, and I'm gonna get my memoir yeah. box. Like yeah. everything else can be replaced. My original my 1970s Yoda in there with the little cloth <laughs> and the snake around his neck and R2s in there, things like that. Yeah, yeah you grab those and go. Yeah, I gotta have my certificates. If I don't have a certificate, did the hike really happen? <laughs> That's right, it didn't happen. Uh, well, it's on Instagram, so it it's on. Yeah, it's on, yeah. If it's on. If it's on the gram. Um, so it seems like you know this. You are one in seven billion, but I really like how you said that you were gonna. You were starting to broaden the project. So what do you mean by broaden it? How are you? How are you doing that? Well, like to, yeah. When you when I started, it was like the goal was simple. It was like you know, be one of seven billion people on the planet have done something, and I did that. But when my friend and I, he. Um, he he runs this company with the hat I'm actually actually I was gonna wear, which is Incline Design Group, and he likes like the outdoor world, but also likes science. So like he does like marketing and like graphic design kind of. He tries to focus in the, that neighborhood, but he he does all that stuff if he gets it. And we always had the plan of when we did this and built the website to eventually make it a, um, a brand. So when I first was on Instagram, I was on there as a brand. And the goal was to, you know, have a store and try to sell some stuff and offer services to people. By the time when we first did it, I didn't know what it was. I was like, the goal is just do it, get the triple crown, the two triple crowns, and be done. And throughout the process of doing it, um, it became clear to me that certain aspects uh, became clear. And when I've been giving talks lately, uh, I did a few talks back in Massachusetts, a couple of REIs, and then one at a bike shop. Um, I added these aha moments into my slideshow. And the first one I call my first aha moment was when I was living at home. I was with my parents after the AT. It was a couple years after it. And I was like, if I died tomorrow, I'd kick my own ass for not ever living anywhere than here. Like, I had traveled all over at this point, at least down the East Coast. And I knew how big the world was, but I hadn't seen it. And I was like, there's so much to see, Craig. You need to get out. So that's when I moved to Seattle. And um, so the first uh, first aha moment, I put that with my first core value, which is I've been trying to promote, which is to truly know yourself and know what your passions are. And that's the first core value of the project now, uh, which I try to encourage is just like I said, know yourself and know what your passions are. And um, I had realized what that was but at, at the time, but I didn't actually act on it. Um, and that's what the second one is. Once you really know what your passions are, you just need to follow them. So that's when I like packed up the Jetta. My dad and I drove it out west, and I spent eight years in Seattle. And then, of course, that led to the PCT, which I knew was what I wanted. So the second core value is just to follow those passions, regardless of what it is. You know, I joke like if you want to paint butterflies, paint damn butterflies. Like don't let someone tell you it's stupid. Whatever it might be, just you know, do it and 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 love it. Uh, and then the next two. Um, core values that I put in, which, like I said, I, I kind of equated to them was um, the aha moment was, you know, the third one was, I was on the CDT and um, I saw these guys come in running at me. I was at the Cataract Lake on the, uh, in the San Juans and this guy comes around at me with these little shorts and a windbreaker on. It's like, I'm putting my full rain suit on and he has a slight little tiny little backpack and light ultralight poles and he runs by and I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, hey. He said something and he sounded like he had an accent and I was like, oh. Another kid came by and then a third guy came by and I was like, hey, how far do you go to get out of here? And he's like, 80 miles. And I was like, what? I'm like, I've been hiking for two days in the San Juan's. I'm like, where's he getting in in 80 miles? And then it dawns me, like the fifth runner, there's a, they have a number on him. I'm like, what running race is this? And the guy's like, it's the Hard Rock 100. And I was like, 
Uh, it's like one of the top, you know, if you don't know what the, um, the Hard Rock is for some people, it's the, probably like one of the top three hardest running races in the country, ultras. And the guy who ran by was, um, God, well, I just blanked a name on his name. He's won it now like three times. Um, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, but he... Um, He's like five, like three, and weighs like 110 pounds. The guy's tiny, and uh, it was—he was just a monster. He would come by so fast. So in that moment, I looked at him and I said, "Who, you know, like I was like these guys are inhuman." I even told one of them later on, like you guys are inhuman, and I was putting it on this pedestal, and um, Killian Jornet—that's what it was. That's, I was yeah, you just up. looked at it. On, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Killian Jornet. Yeah, he's just—he's just crazy. So like I look at him like that, and it's easy to look at him. And it's easy to look like, you know, at Olympians, you know, and just go, oh, my God, like, these guys are inhuman. You know, you watch these dental skiers, and it's easy to say, I can't do that. And um, so the third core value is, is to humanize adventure because, you know, you look at, and it's not just like the actual putting people on a pedestal, but, you know, you saw me on Instagram, and a lot of times people look at it, and it's like, yeah, that's what I'm putting on there, but you're not seeing that, you know, I slept in a Walmart parking lot and it was steamy as heck because I didn't have the fan in my van and there was, like, people yelling outside. It's like, a lot of people only put the good stuff online. So you got to remember that, like, that third one is, you know, just remember that, like, everyone is just like you. Like, they might move at a different pace or choose to do something differently. Uh, and that leads to my last one, which is being being the best version of yourself you can be. Um, and that kind of equates back to the first one because as you experienced when you're on the trail and you mentioned to me earlier um, offline that you want to do um, trail magic. And as a hiker, you're given so much support, whether it's from your family, your friends, the people at the post office who like go out of their way to do something extra for you, uh, to you know trail angels and to people open their houses. So it's not only being the best version of yourself you can be, it's not just for you personally, so you can be the best like version of, you know, Craig or, you know, whoever. It's so that the people around you are getting the best of you. And that kind of like, so it goes back. If you're comparing yourself or putting someone else on a pedestal like I did with them, uh, you're not being true to yourself because I had the tables turned when I was on the Arizona Trail. I had my bike in my back and people would come down the uh the North Canab Trail from the North Rim as I'm going up. And oh, that's right. They, they see me from like really far away and they're like, they're like, oh, here comes somebody. And then they get close enough to see I had something large on my back. They're like, their eyes were like, wow, it's a big backpack. You could see the expression. As a hiker, you learn people's expressions. You've probably seen this, you know. And uh, then as they got close enough to realize it was a bike on my back, they're like, their eyes are just bulging out of their head like a cartoon character. Like, you can see the words in their frontal cortex going, holy crap, that's a bicycle, you know? And then the questions just come like a million miles a second. And they were like, oh, my God, you're unbelievable. You're like, you must be like a robot. Like, where's the engine in that backpack? You're flying because I was like cruising up the, I just wanted to get over with. And I realized that they were now doing what I did to like Killian Jornet and the other top 20 runners I saw. And it really, that's when it sunk home. That was my third aha moment where that third core value came from of like, it's so easy to look at what someone else is doing and think, I could never do that. And the reality is, like I said to you earlier, it's like, it's like we all, like, you know, you do your thing. You move at your own pace. And uh, so that's, I like to instill that to people because it's so hard, easy today to not do something because you think that you can't do it like someone else and you don't realize you don't have to. So I made those four core values of knowing who you, who you are, truly know yourself and your passion, follow the passion, uh, humanize adventure, and then being the best version of yourself you can be so that you can be true to yourself, but also be 
the best friend or lover or whoever it is, brother or daughter or whatever, to you know those around you and just be a better human. So, and that's kind of that's where the project has gone to because, I mean, today's world. I mean, we all you know we're just pulled in so many directions, and I think that those four values kind of can speak to everyone, and, and I think everyone could learn from either one of them or all of them, and can make you know hopefully just do more stuff and you know have a better life, you know. It's, it's so interesting that you got into, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it's so interesting that you got into your core values. And, you know, I have some notes here and, I, you know, I was like researching feverishly. And one of the coolest parts of your website to me as like a business minded or, you know, continuous improvement kind of guy, <clears throat> one of the most important things for any company that I work with is I want to know what their core values are. You aren't even a company. You're a guy and you're the guy. But you have your core values laid out, and it was so interesting that you actually had those things, which most companies don't even do. It's, uh, <clears throat> to hear you uh, explain them and how you got to them is just absolutely incredible to me. So I'm like totally nerding out the whole time that you were talking about your core values. And as a hiker, you know, I have those. I can relate to some of those moments, and you, you know, it's it's really cool to hear you talk about them. That's one of my favorite things about uh, sitting down with people who live these attainable. But you know, extraordinary lives. Yeah, you know, we're living. They're with, alternate. They're, yeah, yeah, they're alternate. not. They're not like what everyone else would choose. But yes, the you know, yeah. Um. So how do you how do you like stay motivated? You know, I've had so many times where it was like, have you ever been like, man, I just I'm tired of this. I want to quit. Like, um, on the trail. You yeah, mean? on on trail. Um, not so much. Like, I mean, off the trail. I mean. I mean, I think I watched the first three seasons or four seasons of Game of Thrones maybe in like four, three days maybe, but one December a couple of years ago. Uh, so, yeah, when it's off season, I don't have a big project. I can easily just be like binge watching. Um, on the trail, no, it's like, I mean, there's been times, it's usually like the weather or if it's just like shitty, like on the AT, we had rain from Gorham, New Hampshire to the ski lodge on Sugarloaf. It was 11 days of rain, and it was just miserable. Um, and that's times like that where you're just like, this sucks, you know. And then I was put into reality when the kid that I saw the next year in the Whites told me, I was 110 days on the trail at that point. It had rained in 90 of them. I was like, he's like, I never saw the sun in all of Virginia. I was like, that's like 750 miles long. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, oh. like, uh, but no, I'm usually like, I... I'm stubborn. My mother will agree to that. I get it from my father, I'm sure, and his father before him. So when I set myself to a goal, uh, I'm not going to be happy with myself if I quit. I quit one thing, and it was a trip to Alaska my first time with my friend. We never, I, at this point, I really hadn't done adventures with people, and we went. I mean, I like to use the excuse that I was sick. Uh, my stomach was upset where, you know, as a hiker, you have one set of clothes or two, and you have one sleeping bag, and... I was so upset that my stomach that when I went to bed at night, I was afraid that it wouldn't. Let's we'll, we'll put this keep this clean. I was afraid that things wouldn't be clean when I woke up. Like my stomach was that bad. I had no appetite and I was riding like with a huge amount of weight in the bike, and I just I quit. And uh, to this day, I feel really bad because I I bailed on my buddy, and uh, and that's the only time I've quit. And it's and it's and, and I, one of the few regrets I have. So like quitting usually for me, I I mean I saw Red Lance Armstrong's book when it was his heyday before all the scandal came out. And uh, in it, he said, you know, pain is temporary, quitting lasts forever. And it really hit me, just like the whole thing with the Martian. 
And uh, to this day, I always think of that, you know. And the other, and when he said pain is temporary, I like weather. You know, I had two days of rain on the PCT after like 50, 60 days of sunshine. And I was like, I was miserable through Snoqualmie Pass. And I kept telling myself, Craig, it's just temporary, you know. And I always push through. So, like, yeah, for me, like, when I set my mind to a goal, I mean, unless I break my leg or, like, the bike gets so broken, even if it did, I would just go rent that now that run another bike i'd switch my bags you know i'm pretty much gonna go push through you know unless it's unsafe it's like if it's not safe for me or if it's like something stupid i'm just like i'm just stubborn like i set a goal like i'm gonna do it a lot of times too like i said before you get one chance to do something sometimes and because there's so many things on your list you want to do you might not come back do it you know if there's a there's a double peak and you go up the first one and the other one's a half mile away are you really want to go up all the way back up to do that second one? Just go and do the other one. You're there. Yeah, so. The, uh, so I, I know what it's like to quit, and I know that those things just burn. And some of them you can never take it back. You know, sometimes you have the opportunity to go. And So did you go back to Alaska? I went back this summer, yeah, on, a, on a, another trip. Um, and uh, it was actually my first um, paid adventure where I got money from outdoor research through um, a group of guys approached them about getting looking for some support for a trail that they want to build and they wanted some people to go out and to um, just research and ride some of the areas and so I, I was able to go and I wrote my buddy who works there and I said hey you know if Owar doesn't want to be responsible for me getting eaten by a grizzly bear you know maybe I should bring somebody with me would you guys be willing to throw a couple you know double that money or whatever like that and they ended up giving us like three grand and we split it so it didn't pay for all the trip but it paid for a good portion so now i don't feel so bad that my linkedin account says professional adventurer i think i need i have i think i added storyteller but now i actually get paid so i'm not lying anymore it's not just a dream it's actually i got paid once yeah i don't have any of the money left but yeah so yeah that's an interesting perspective on it though yeah um, yeah I, I i quit a trail there was a 140 mile trail that i, I tried to do and I quit it 60 miles in. I was three days, and after I quit, I just blamed it on my dog and how much fun it what, how much fun it wasn't with my dog. And truth be told, I was you know I was sore, I was tired, and I was miserable, and I wasn't I wasn't the hiker that I thought that I was. And this yeah. was after I did the AT. You know, this is four five months after I did finish the AT, and it was just physically I wasn't ready to do it, and I wasn't ready to do it at the pace that I wanted. And I ended up going back, and I finished the trail then in five days. So yeah. I went from 60 miles in three days to 140 in five days. And uh, it really it really burned that I, I didn't do it, especially, yeah. like, that was a big ego, a kick to my ego. Yeah. So um, the quitting thing, I've, I've really been there. It seems like most of your trips, and you, you mentioned Canada, uh, going and playing disc golf. Any international hiking or biking going on? Uh, no, I've, I'm like some of your classic American who's been to Tijuana a few times, experienced <laughs> that joy. Um, I've been landed in Puerto Rico to jump on a plane to the British Virgin Islands, and I've been to Canada. You know, it's, uh, I'd love to go do one of the GRs. I, I learned of a GR trail and that whole system that goes from Monaco over to Croatia, kind of through the Alps and all that, and it would be amazing. And my friend... Um, Scott from Incline, he um, he is Croatian, so when we were actually in Alaska. We stopped at a place and we watched the World Cup. They recorded it, and uh, they were rooting for France. We were rooting for Croatia. But he uh, found a trail, a, a biking trail, that kind of goes in that same area 
that we could do as well. It's like, we could hike one way, we could bike back. And he's like, oh, I like the way you think. You know, I, I'm the one friend, and he's the one friend where I could be like, hey, Scott, you want to go hike the John Muir Trail in 12 days as a vacation? Where we both were like, yeah, that's my kind of a vacation. You know, that's what we attempted last year, which was in between the two of those bike races last year was the John Muir was attempted, but he got sick. Yeah. And it was going to be like a 12-day trip. You know, that's which moving. Is, that's moving, yeah. That's moving pretty good. <laughs> yeah. To say the least, I was probably in the best shape of my life when we went, and it was probably good for him because he's got he's shorter than me and doesn't move as fast. He would have had a, yeah. So, so uh, I, I saw that you, uh, this kind of seed of triple crowning started in 1985 at Katata, yes. and that's when you met your first thru-hiker? Yeah, Um I kind of touched upon it earlier. Um, I used to go to a camp uh, called, in Baxter called Kidney Pond Camps. It's right next to Dacey. So if you're a thru-hiker, you know when you went to Dacey, it's maybe three, four miles to, you, I don't know, the north or the west. I can't remember. And uh, we'd go there, and you'd fish. And right behind me in all the lakes, there was Katahdin. And as, you know, as a hiker, you know it's like it's the most predominant thing in the area. There's nothing around it. It's huge. And I'd saw it for like the four years we were there. And the fifth year we were there, I think it was the last year the camp was open too. I was like two, three weeks shy of being 13. Uh, and the neighbors next to us, the camp next to us, they had two kids. And the husband was taking the, their son and their daughter up. And they said, hey, do you want to go with us? So the six of us, my dad and my brother and I and the three of them, we climbed up. And we got up to the top and there's the sign, you know, the iconic sign. We all know it. And if you don't, you've probably have seen it. But... Um, you know, it's like continuous footpaths from Mountain, Georgia, all the way to Katahdin, Maine, and over 2,000 miles. And you're like, I'm looking at that, reading it as a 12-year-old, and I'm just blown away because I had driven with the family to Florida twice. I knew how far Georgia was. And the idea that somebody could go down to Georgia and walk one path continuously all the way to where I was standing just was blow, blew me away. And I, I turned to my dad and I said, hey, Dad, do people really do this? And before he could answer, this guy with a giant beard and the hair looked at me and he's like, he said, he's like, yeah, I just did it. You know, it wasn't condescending or cocky or anything. He was just like, he was proud of himself. And I always joke with people, it's like, have you ever seen like a Macbeth done in like a play? You know, they talk about when the guy pours the poison in the air. Like, you know, he's like, I joke that he turned his head and, you know, you guys can't see this. I was in the pocket, but he turned, his head, turned my head with his hands and then he just dropped a little seed in my ear and that seed was him saying yeah i just did it because at that point like i you know impressionable you know 12 13 year old i was like oh you know i had books at home in the at and i was like i knew at that point someday i was going to do it and i was going to stand there and sure enough that was you know 15 years later when i was 27 almost 28 i was there and i did it and then of course on the trail i met people doing the pct or i'd done pct and i had kind of known about it in my research and you know and I, it wasn't right on, I, on the AT. I didn't think, oh, I'm going to do the triple crown. It was like, do this. But by the time I got to the end, I was like, yeah, I'm moving on. You know, I'm doing more. Like it, I joke that it changed my DNA. But now, with the world of Marvel and like DC Comics, and I'm a total geek in that sense. I'm like, no, it was in my DNA already. It just, it was like, um, what's the one? I guess it's like Marvel. Like you've got. Uh, the Terrigen changes you from and unleashes your um, your uh, the, your um, your uh, inhuman powers. And like for me, hiking was and exploring was already in me. From my grandfather who took me on the railroad track walks and all that, and doing the AT just kind of it awakened it. And bam! And now it's like I can't get rid of it. I'm just yeah. like yeah. It's uh, I, I'm, I would say it was probably 
10, 11 years later, I actually was on the AT. Um, you know, I'm from central Pennsylvania, and I met my first through hiker. And, you know, he had just crossed halfway. I remember the guy's name. His trail name was Still Steve. Still Steve. And uh, <clears throat> he was the first guy that I met that was actually doing it. And I was kind of similar to you where I grew up. Right now we're sitting here. I can look at my PCT map on the wall. I grew up uh, with an Appalachian Trail map on my wall. And it was something that, that planted the seed in my head. And my, fam- my father always talking about it whenever we were hiking. Um, but it wasn't until 2016 when I finally made the decision that it was time for me to go and do it. Um, what was it in 2000 or 2000 or 2001 that finally made that flower bloom where it was like, okay, I'm doing it. This is the time. What, what happened that, that that occurred? I think in like 99, Bryson's Walk in the Woods came out like late. So I read that and then that rekindled it. Um, I was at a job that was pretty boring. I had a lot of time to sit in a computer and just research. So I did a lot of research as well. Um, and... Then my friend tells me in like December of 2000, it's 2000, no, of 99, he goes, hey, I'm going to go hike the Appalachian Trail. He's like, you should go with me. And it was like, he was leaving like March 1st, the classic, you know, or one of the, you know, and I was like, three months as a planner, there's no way. So, and I was kicking back and forth, I was like, should I go? And he ended up getting the Virginia Blues and was bored and he, he quit in Harvest Ferry. And while he was out there doing it, you know, I, I just kept thinking about it, and finally, and I was up at the new camp that we go to, run by the son of the guy who ran the one that I went to as a child, and I was up there, and he said, uh, actually, I'm sorry, I wasn't, I had never been there yet. I take that back. That's completely wrong. I'm getting so old, I don't remember this stuff anymore. <laughs> There's too much. I know the yeah. uh, But I had, um, I went, and I was, uh, I said to my parents, I was like, hey, um, Actually, no, I had been, I, sorry, I had gone to that camp. See, I had gone in 2000. I told my parents, like, hey, mom, dad, like, can I move home? I want to hike the AT and save some money. So I went from a five-minute drive um, in Newton, Mass., right to, like, the industrial park to a 45-minute commute through 125, what, 128 Route 95 traffic, and it was hell. But it was so worth it. <laughs> AT! Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, and it was like, but him doing it, reading the book, it like that all kind of brought it back, and I was like, that's it, I'm going. I was just like, it was the right time to do it, and yeah. Are you ever going to go back to that life? God no, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I look at like my my friend and her and her husband just left for work, you know, and he was and he had on like greenish pants and a brown shoes and like a light lavender like kind of purple top and she looked at him she's like I think she's like you need to change to the blue suede shoes that you have instead of those brown ones it just doesn't go or change his shirt and she's like critiquing what he's wearing to work I'm like no I'm like I'm just going to go to the office in my shorts and flip flops and a t-shirt that would be me you know and uh, yeah I can't do it I realize I've known for a while that I don't want to be someone's employee I need to be my own boss and make my own decisions but I'm sure you're going to ask how that's going to happen, but I don't have the answer for you. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I think that the "we'll figure it out" mentality is post trail the very the most common mentality. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I, it sounds almost like you've been you've gotten a, a lot of confidence in your future, even though there's uncertainty. There's times where I'm shitting my pants to tell you the truth. I'm like, oh my god, I stress out. Um, but because it's usually a self-created pressure, like yesterday at the disc golf course, I was like 
I should just finish the round. I'm like, no, just come back. I'm like, why are you worrying about this? Just go to your friend's house. He's like, you have no commitment. Just come back. But um, I think you might be agree, agree that this was a philosophy that you and your friends had on the trail as well, and other hikers might agree. You learned that when you're out there, there's only certain things that you can control. You can't, you know, you can't control the weather. You can't control the trail conditions. But and it might not be what you, what's in front of you and the options available to you might not be the options that you want and but you deal with them because that's what you have in front of you but the philosophy we always said to our, our friends talked about is it might not have worked out the way you wanted but the reality is it always works out that was our saying it always works out things always work out you get to a shelter and it's full guess what someone everyone decides to sleep head to toe or you sleep across their feet you know it's like don't stress because it's all going to work out. It might not be how you want, but in the end, the sun will come up tomorrow and there's more miles to walk, as we would joke and say, something like that. So I try to continue that philosophy of like, okay, that wasn't how I wanted it, but, you know, I'm still here, I'm still breathing, and I can try again tomorrow. So Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. It's like you just get this, there's such just a common mentality, like, okay, well, it hasn't worked out yet, so it's not over yet. It'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. Some way, somehow, everything will be okay. And I think that a lot of my stress is self-imposed. And last night, I couldn't sleep. I was like up till midnight, and Elise is asking me, like, are you still awake? What are you doing? It was like... I made some. I made a mistake at work, and I, you know, now I work for myself because there's no way I could go work for someone else ever again. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a self-imposed stress, and then I just have to bring come back to my mentality from the trail. Like, uh, if it hasn't worked out yet, it will. And I was on the phone whenever you got to the house. <clears throat> I was on the phone with one of the guys that I like screwed up, and it was like, all right, man, it'll be fine, and it, it worked out. So I lost some sleep, but I shouldn't have. It'll it'll be okay. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that that you talked about in your website really was expanding from just understanding that you're one in seven billion to we're each one in seven billion. And you said that you were giving some talks to people. What all are you trying to do or what ways do you, would you recommend that other people recognize that they're also one in seven billion? Um, I think the, the easiest one that came to me was when I was on the Colorado Trail. And day two, I took a wrong turn, went downhill quite far, three miles downhill the wrong way. And the same ones, I missed the turn because the gut hook app showed the mountain bike route one way and the actual race route went another way and I should have paid attention to my mm-hmm. one. So as my way back up, I got caught in the classic, you know, San Juan, you know, southern Colorado Rockies storm and just soaked me. I got my drain jacket on and my pants were all sorts of soaked so I didn't bother. I got got my tent set up at like 5.30, quarter six and I was in it again. I was in it until like 6 a.m. the next day. It was almost 12 hours in the tent. And I'm lying there shivering on my side and I didn't take my clothes off. I thought maybe I can just put my sleeping bag over me and I'll heat dry them. You get <laughs> soaked to shame on, Craig. It's not. So I ended up getting out of it. But as I laid there, I looked at my fingers and I saw and they were just like they were like raisins. They were all pruned up and just wrinkly. And there, you know, and when that happens, like you can really see your fingerprints. And I looked at it and I said, hmm. And I thought to myself, I have my own fingerprints. They're mine. No one else has my fingerprints. And then I went further and like, you know, I won't, I won't say it was spiritual, but if you want to believe that, and you looked, I looked deeper inside, you know, and I said, hey, I was like, you have your own DNA, Craig, which, you know, I joked about earlier about how it's now changed, you know, where it's been unlocked. 
and it dawned on me. I was like, you know, we're born this way. It's so easy today in today's world. Like we all, yeah, we all have our own Instagram account, or we do or we don't, and we all do our own thing. But so many of us today just go with the flow. Like you are a cog in the machine. You're there making money for somebody else, or you're doing doing what you believe is what society you know tells you you're supposed to do. You know you're supposed to do this, and you know the old adage was you went to high school, you got a degree, you went to college, got the degree. And you got a job, and you meet a girl, you get married, you you know you have the house, you have the cars, the kids, the dog. It's like, and you're just this is what you're supposed to do. And it's like, and I realized that, you know, it brought me back to like, we're all born unique, but then somehow we get we just naturally get corralled into this, boxed into like this is what you're supposed to be. And I and so if, if I was to tell someone, I'm like, just you know, look at your hands, you know, look at your, and remember that like you were born unique. Like so, that's when I looked at and that sat there in that tent. It dawned on me. I'm like, so you're sitting here in a rainstorm, shivering your ass off with you know borderline hypothermia at like eleven, you know, seven eleven thousand seven hundred feet, because you're trying to be one of seven billion when you were already one of seven billion, Craig. Because there's only one of you, unless someone decides to clone you. You are you. So and I try to. That's where it goes back to like you know the core values of like just truly know who you are and. Know your passions. Your passions are what define you, and be that because then that's going to make you, you know, one of seven because you because you're already there. But it will help define you and show people. So that's that's what I've been trying to promote to people and just like you know, be you. It's like be the you that you should be, not who you are told to be. So whenever you we talked last night, there was an article that you pointed me to. So it's like, all right, man, this is perfect. I got to go and read the article and. Not just the article that was about you know your life and the things that you've accomplished or the way that you've accomplished them. Um, there were some comments that were on there that, that you talked about. So of course it's like oh man, people have something to say. I want to hear what it is just because I know it's going to be something good. Um, tell me a little bit about that because I reading it, there was so much in there that I could relate to, and I think that your response was. Absolutely perfect. Fantastic response. So can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it was an article in an adventure journal that um, Patty O'Connell, he's a guy in town, wrote where I live in Carbondale, Colorado. And he um, interviewed me for it, and he asked me the typical questions of, you know, how I do my things and all that. And this woman had commented on there. And I get where she came from. You know, she lives a different life. And uh, she basically had said that she was sick and tired of people like myself and others using the excuse that they can live their lives that they live um, that was their choice to do they justified it by the means of saying they do it because of sacrificing priorities and she's and, and that was what she was tired of people using that as an excuse as she saw it as and throughout the article and I don't remember the, I should have went and read it after I told you again um, in the article I clearly point out what the core values are and what I'm trying to tell people to do and I also talk about other things that basically explain her if she had read that or gone to my website and looked even further she would have saw that the priorities and sacrifices exactly what is, what has allowed me to live the lifestyle I am and I'm not living off other people I've had the great good graces of having amazing parents that have allowed me to you know freedom of doing certain things and have supported me but uh, it was really interesting because 
what she was saying was that like some of us have real jobs when someone responded and defended me she's like well some of us have real jobs and have like a family and my point back to her was like you chose to have that job you chose to have that job that didn't have the vacation you chose to have the kids no one made you have the kids these are all choices that you made you could have what i have if you just chose different choices but you didn't i made sacrifices and you could say that having a kid was a sacrifice and she just was looking at it really from only her own perspective unfortunately and not from the other side of the perspective like i always loved to play animal's advocate and she kind of didn't do that in her own sense of going well let's say i was him and she might have seen it differently and uh, it was right there everyone was pointing out to her that you know if you just look at it he's exactly what he's saying is right he's not making an excuse this is what it is so yeah yeah, one of my favorite parts about that in your response, which uh, you said, you know, and I, I've been so guilty of it where, you know, someone says something and I respond out of emotion, not out of logic and reason. And you took your time, came back to it, revisited it, worded it the way that you wanted to. And one of the things I really liked about the wording was whenever you talked about um, the people don't necessarily like the choices that are in front of them. And I think that those are the people who aren't recognizing things as sacrifice. You, you, know, you could sell your house. You don't have to have a mortgage. Um, There's certain things that you could do that you could just go without, you know, not having a big you know, five flat flashy cars. You know. My car is the oldest one in the parking lot. The other day my muffler fell off. But I, I, literally, that just happened. I just spent the five, five of the happiest mo- months of my life because of those sacrifices and I think that by saying they don't like the choices that are in front of them it was like perfect wording icing on the cake it was such a good response yeah I think I think a lot of people forget that you know it's I could give you a gun and you could be on a rooftop of a building and I could be like hey you can pull the trigger or you can jump those are two options and someone's like well that's not an option like well no they're both options you just don't like either one and that's unfortunately in life we have a lot of experiences and situations that are like that but the reality is you have an option you just might not like what it is and it's so true and it goes across all aspects of of life and stuff so yeah i never thought of it that way just not liking the choices that are in front of you and sometimes the choices suck and they're hard and they create more sacrifice but i mean all the prior you know your prioritization and your sacrifices you're one of the most interesting and one of the happiest people and you're a storyteller like me um but just you know it's following you through instagram for the short time and just seeing you and meeting you in person you are like me, you know, you're one of the happiest people that there are out there. And there's times that are hard and there's times that are, you sacrifice and it's tough. But, man, how much do you love your life? <laughs> it's, it's definitely good. Like I said, there's definitely times where I'm just, I get down on myself. It's easy. Like, we all do it. I mean, I look back and I was driving here and um, I was talking to my friend and we got into, you know, different things between, you know, from talk to a little Kavanaugh a little bit to, you know, Me Too movements and just everything that's politically going on in the world today. And, and I look at some of the things that people are dealing with. I mean, unfortunate situations, you know, for whether or not you're, you know, the victim or the accused or just, I mean, and then I saw people on the road here on 195. They had a donut on their car on the front and a donut on the rear 
And one of the two donuts had just now blown out as well. And it was like, you know, and I just looked in, and then like in that section of 195, you know, here in Baltimore, it was, uh, it was trash. It was a, it was a bed on the side of the road. The grass was like so, and the, and the medium was so long. It hadn't been cut in years. And like, you just looking like, you know, you got cities like, look, Detroit, like was a city that was almost bankrupt. And I looked at it and I'm like, you just makes you realize like, yeah, you're like, your life is not that bad, you know, it's like, you know, you could have it worse, and, but so, yeah, I've definitely done some amazing things, and, I mean, it hasn't been all easy, uh, but, I mean, the outcome is at the end, you know, I've done what I've done, and it's been wonderful, so, yeah, I definitely remind myself, you know, quite frequently that it could be a lot worse, so, yeah. yeah. Whenever we were talking about motivation, one of the things that I would do to motivate myself and really it was you know whenever I had those hard times I would always just tell myself and my mantra was something along the lines of like weaker people have been through worse you know, it's a good one before yeah. I hit the PCT um, Elise and I were talking and, and I was talking about have to's and have to do this or have to do this many miles and she like put me in my place and I was like man that was pretty deep stuff that she said and she just told me that I have to remember that I get to do those things I don't have to I could come home at any time but you know, there's people who do have to or can't, don't get to, I'm sorry, don't get to do those things yeah. um, because of the choices that they make and the sacrifices that I made um, by not having a company vehicle anymore and not having a company cell phone or a 401k. But I, I've been fortunate enough to live life the way that I do, you know, the same way that you have. Yeah, it's like when you had the dog on that hike, it's like you chose to have a dog and that's a sacrifice and you went on a hike and... You may not have been physically act, you know, as active as you should have been, but you know, a dog, the dog could have been the issue. It could have had a bad paw, and you could have gone home. Yeah. But like, you know, people don't see that. Like, me buying Philip, who was like, that's the name of my mountain bike. Um, I call him Philip the Trail Donkey because I think I love. I think donkeys are cute, and I think Philip's a great name for a donkey, so I named him Philip. People are like, your bo- your bike's a boy? I'm like, yeah. And so is my sprinter van. He's, his name is Ulysses. I'm like, like girl, it should be a girl. I'm like, it's a, it's a four-by-four sprinter. He's not a girl. I'm like, he's a man, you know. So, But uh, I bought Philip, you know, and I had a full suspension before that. I mean, and out west, you can get away with a hardtail. But, like, I realize now buying him was a sacrifice because, because of the fact that I chose, like I said, I can't get down and I have a credit card that you chose to do. You know, ride your bike 6,000 miles last year. It's going to happen. Um, and I bought two bikes. I Buying him was a sacrifice. I did not realize at the time because I now not don't have the money and I don't want to sell him because I wouldn't get money for him. And he has such a, you know, we chatted every day when we're out there. I mean, what do you do when you're on your bike for 16 hours a day? You talk to him. Um, I, um, I realized now it was a sacrifice because I don't have the money to afford a full suspension. And I'm now, you know. Sorry, buddy. I'm stuck with him. Luckily, he can't hear me from here. You know, <laughs> and so yeah, he's you know, but uh, he's inside the stable right now, i.e. Ulysses. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, I didn't even think about it at the time. Like, there's times that you, I think it happens a lot. We don't realize certain things that we decisions that we make are sacrifices in themselves, but you don't realize it till later when you really slow down and look at it. So that was a kind of an interesting. I learned, I realized that one this summer. I was like, hmm. I'm like, I do not have the money to buy the bike I want for out there. And it, and it hit me. So, yeah. yeah. So you brought up one of the other questions that I was dying to ask is about your named van, Ulysses. You're uh, living out of the van or it's just a travel adventure bus? What is what is this thing? Right now. It it's, looks awesome, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've done, so far it's been cosmetic things I've done to it. There's nothing structural yet, really. Um, it is a... 2018 Mercedes Sprinter van 4x4, and 
I've been wanting one for a long time, and I finally was able to, you know, financially do things that have allowed me to put enough money down that it has now made the car payment less. Not that it would be hard, because when a one bedroom, even in my small town in Carbondale, is like a thousand to twelve hundred bucks, when the car payment is going to be less than half of that, and you then can buy health insurance, which a lot of us hikers, so you know, what's that? I, I mean, I bet you in the last 20 years I've had insurance, like maybe two of them, and uh, which is crazy with the stuff that I do. Um, and you don't think about that when you're bombing downhill at like 40 miles per hour. Um, but I uh, was able to buy him, and the plan is to build him out into, um, to be livable. You know, the typical back end will have the gear shed and have the uh, the stove inside. Uh, and the, It won't be a stove, but it'll be a stove oven because from Camp Chef which is one of the guys who helped me out on the um, whole 107 project. So as I love pizza. It's one of my vices besides chocolate chip cookies and Chipotle. Um, and so I have, I'll have the oven and the fridge and the solar and all that. But right now it's 20-gallon Tupperwares and loose boxes and my dream times at dream time. Yeah, the dream time by Cascade Design. It's the, it's the fleece top. Half inch of foam, the two and a half inch thermarest that weighs like this is the old one that weighs like eight pounds. The new ones have the new. It's a self-inflating one. No, it's it's well, the mo- well you just got to top it off. It's like a it's a yeah. it's a thermo, yeah. And but that fleecy top and that's laying down. It's so it's like just enough room. I have Philip. My hand touches Philip. It's front wheel and my butt is against the well. Well, it's like so tight in there You're right now. Spooning with. But I'm especially spooning cool. with my the donkey. Yeah. So yeah, but when I get to Colorado, I will be building it out. I have a friend who's uh that I that I will be working with and he's a woodworker and like we're going to just you know he's like we're gonna, he's like we want to do some artisan things to it you know but we're going to take our time and build it out so I will the goal is to live out of him and build the mobile lifestyle through like the website and do storytelling and you know doing writing articles and things like that so we'll see cool. so like in the future you're still working on the disc golf in all 50 states correct you're working on building out the van what else do you have that's like exciting upcoming what are your goals for 2019 what are you most excited about for the next six months um well getting him done because like right now i get so frustrated like i packed it or packed him i shouldn't say it um you know it's a him um i packed him and i have all uh dude wipes is another one of my sponsors and uh they were they were so great about it and uh they have what's called the dude dude shower, and that's basically a very large wipe, and it's pretty robust. I mean, you one of them you can usually clean all of you. And I had a whole bunch of those in a bag, and that I didn't use on the last trip. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll use these, you know. And I put them someplace in the van, and I can't find them for the life <laughs> of me. I couldn't find my contacts. Like there's, I'm like so like right now it's really frustrating not to be living out, like to not know where things are. So because once I'm. I don't even have the van life fully going. It's kind of is, you know, a way. But like, I've already know like everything has to have its place. You know, I think everything has a thing, is things, you know, place for its thing. There's some saying there. I can't remember what it is, but it's like I need to learn to do that. But I'm so excited about getting him built out. But um, earlier we talked about the John Muir Trail. I had done that with my friend. We attempted it. I'd like to go back, but I also want to finish the Mini Triple Crown, which is the Long Trail, the Colorado. And the JMT, they do call that the mini triple crown. Oh. So I've done the long trail, which is one of my favorites. But my goal now is, I think this summer I want to do the Colorado Trail, and then I want to go on to do the um, the uh, the John Muir later. So I'm thinking, like, if I get my friend Scott to do come to Colorado and do 
a month on the CT or a little less, and then drive out and do that. Because and then we'll we'll be we'll be warmed up for it. And if he he won't do, he can't take the time off on the CT. I'll do the CT on my own, and then I'll have him and I do the. It's out of the way, but we'll do the Tahoe Rim Trail maybe. But like, I really want to get the job Rimshaw done. I mean, this this. Um, you might have this question in your list. Some people do. It's more of a typical one, but like, oh, which one do you like the best? It, if I, I had hate to do, that uh, what's that? <laughs> no, I hate that question. Yeah, it's like if I had, if I, if I, if you asked it, I would answer the yeah. PCT. The PCT is just an amazing trail. I mean, the AT is, is you know, the Green Tunnel and it's rugged and it's hard. Like I just did, you know, I was working on the 100 highest up in um, September, um, and it was just. I thought I was going to get so many more peaks done than I did in the time I had, and uh, I forgot how brutal the whites were. Just everything straight up, you know. The PCT has got the grandeur. It's got the easy hiking in the sense that I say that relatively with air quotes, people. Um, and but like the the Sierras, you know, and like even Northern California, like the Russian Wilderness and Trinity Alps, and then there's the Sisters and there's uh, Hood and just the, the Alpine Wilderness. So many of them, Glacier. It's like it's such an amazing trail. But I really want to get back and I want to do. Um, the John Muir again. I mean, you do most of it on these, you know, on the PCT, but I stuck to the pretty much a purist except for doing Eagle Creek and, you know, the side trip to Whitney when I did mine. So I really want to go back and do it. I mean, we were there for, we did Whitney to, Whitney to um, Ray Lakes before we had a turnaround and go back on Carousage. It's just, just spectacular. I absolutely love it. So I'm really looking forward to that, those two trails, the, the Colorado Trail and the, doing the John Muir. That's, that's the, the summer plan. So. so it's funny because I get that question a lot. You know, which do you like better, the AT or the PCT? Now that I've done both, and I I just dislike it. And that's what we were talking earlier. Another question I like, I don't like, is when people say, "Well, how was it?" You know, you're asking somebody to to describe the best four to five to six months of their life, and the person doesn't want the full explanation. They want, "Well, it was good," and I just like it's, it breaks my heart when people ask me that question. Like, how was it? How do you think? It was yeah. awesome, buddy. Yeah. It's like, how do you like, put, how do you, like, take such a general wide question and say... Describe the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the other one that people ask you, too, is, or maybe you've heard this one, and I actually, it's funny, I haven't heard, actually said this in a while. Well, people ask you, um, they look at you and they think, like, how, how, did you, how did you ride your bike from Canada to Mexico in 20 days? Like, or how did you walk from Georgia to Maine? And the answer, the reality is that when someone asks you that, like, oh, like the the response should be, if you don't, if you if you don't mind sounding like a dick, is if you have to ask the question, you won't understand the answer. Oh, that's good. And that's the reality of it. if you have to really ask the question of why I rode 131 miles a day for 20 days, and I was only like in, well, I finished 20th. The guys who went into like 190 miles a day, 198. I'm like, if you have to ask the question, you're not going to understand the answer. So there's like no point in me telling you. And it's it's the reality of it because like you either you get it or you don't. Yeah, it's it, it's really difficult to describe. And I'm like, this is the best five months of my life. How do you what do you want me to say? It's it's really difficult, and that's one of those questions that I just like. Every it's the first one that everybody asks, and I just dread sure. hearing it. Um, so I would not ever ask you to compare the trails, but if say <laughs> I'm a person who has uh, one week's vacation. And I'm either close to the AT or I'm close to the PCT. So this is a, there's two answers, so we're not going to compare them. But if you had a week on the AT, where would it be? Same thing for the PCT. And then if you want, because I haven't done any of the CDT, you know, what's your one-week highlight of each trail? Well, we know that would be the Sierras and the, and the, and the 
PCT. The CDT would probably, it's, it's tough. Um, I'd say you do like three days in the, in the Wind River range, and then you could like jump up to Glacier, you know, if you really wanted to. Uh, it's hard. I mean, the winds, the winds are amazing, uh, but Glacier is as well. But of course, it was smoky there. So I almost, I mean, I don't know if you could, I guess you could spend a week in the winds if you're not, I mean, See, I'm thinking hiker terms, 30 miles a day, flash <laughs> right through. No, okay, yeah, I'd say maybe the winds. I mean, San Juans are nice, but I think the winds, it's just, it's pretty spectacular. Then again, that looks just like kind of a Sierra, There's that whole granite, you know, lack of trees thing going on. The AT, oh, it's, I remember we pointed out it was 17 years ago now, almost 18 years ago. Um, let's see, I don't know, like... See, again, I went through the Smokies when it was all snowy and cold. It was wet. It's like that um, year round, I think. <laughs> is it? Okay. Um, it might be like, it'd probably be like the Smokies or like the Whites, you know. It depends on how much work, how hard you want to work. I mean, there's other nice areas, but, I mean, yeah. I said, I have to revisit it, so. Yeah. Well, that kind of puts you on the spot. That's yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That's one of the questions that, that I ask most of the, the folks that I sit down with because, you know, I, I would say the, the whites is one of the most common answers. And the Smokies is a great section. I mean, they're, they're both really good sections, the PCT. I kind of think about doing the JMT now that I've done, done the PCT. So, so yeah. up. Another so common people. answer is Goat Rocks. Goat Rocks is common. That's oh, yeah, go, that's right. I've like, uh, missed that one, Goat Rocks. Yeah. And then... Glacier and then so North Cascades. It's just amazing. Like, go rocks. I remember going, you go that spine, and then mm -hmm. you turn, it goes, it looks right at rain air. You're like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So, whenever we did go rocks, um, it was cloudy and we didn't see anything. It was. I saw a lot of those photos this year on Instagram. It was, was just us. socked in. <laughs> oh, it was so tough. Yeah. That was us, man. Which, um, that, that's, you know, I think that, that those questions are important because the majority of the folks that listen to the podcast either have already hiked and it'll bring back those memories or they're the kind of person who is in a situation where a one-week trip is, is feasible for them and I want to highlight some of the better parts of the trails for them. So I think that that's, that's a, I, I really enjoy that question. I know it's more so the answers. Yeah, um, it's interesting to see what people say, you know, what it kind of gives a, you know, insight to them. I don't anticipate ever hearing uh, the, sea, uh, the desert the first 700 miles of the PCT. Mojave to Tehachapi, like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you <know>. Isabella. <laughs> yeah. What is it, like, where, where's the, um, was it Hiker Town there? Oh, yeah. See, that was, when I was there, the guy who, like, never showed his face, it was like, like, we were like, Whoa. you know, it was like, it was spooky. Yeah, it was weird. So you were PCT 2007, and Hiker Town was Hiker Town? Yeah, it was, the, it was there, yeah, all the little things, yeah, and it was like, he barely showed his face, and, like, we just stayed out of the shade, and I don't know, my food didn't show up, so I ended up, like, Taking less. <laughs> this is a completely off story, but you uh, you didn't ask me about this one, but I got to tell you this story. This is really funny. We can use it or not. Um, I left Hiker Town. We wasted the heat of the day. I'd gone in the post office like twice, nothing there. So we figure out food from the hiker box. Out we go, and we start hiking along the aqueduct, and we're hiking and hiking into the into the, into the dark, you know. And it's not dark yet, and here we are. And I keep seeing mail on the ground. I just like people just some idiot threw their trash out, you know, and I walked by a magazine in the ditch and I, I walked by another one. I just ignore it. And as I'm walking, all of a sudden I'm like, something just goes in my head and it says, I wonder if one of those magazines is a, you know, a titty mag, you know? 
And I was like, you know, so when I got to the next magazine, I just walked over to it, I picked it up, and sure enough, it's porn. And I was like, it's like Pantouch or Playboy. So I pick it up, and there I am, hiking poles under one arm, like it's a newspaper, and then I am reading, looking through, and I'm like, I unfold the centerfold, and the guy behind me, Wounded Knee, who unfortunately I, I never kept in touch because he got off the trail, he's behind me a little ways, he's like, what do you got up there? And like, and there was, a, and then shortly I found another one. So now I have the second one under my other arm. I have poles under one arm, another back. And he's like, "Let me have." So we like trading off, reading these. And then we were with this girl, Ultra Bright. That's what was her trail name. She's over in Seattle now, and and uh, she's sitting there going, "What are you guys reading?" We're like, I'm "Like, oh, nothing." You know, I ended up finding like three of them at this point, and we ended up walking the whole night. And then we were done with them. We just kind of like put them under a rock so the next hiker could entertain himself through that terrible walk. At one point, I had my headlamp out because it got dark, and I was like, "Oh, I was, <laughs> so, I was like, so I jokingly like think of uh, what is it, uh, Happy Gilmore, or, oh, Billy Madison. It's like Nudie Magazine Day. And you like right in the beginning, right out on the golf cart. There was Nudie Magazine Day on the PCT. That yeah, was. <laughs> Just classic. That is so good. That is that's a really good. That's probably one of the better hiker town uh, uh, aqueduct stories. You know, yeah. mine was like, oh, I hiked all night. It was terrible. It was windy. It yeah. was not that good. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, it was there like, was a, a friend of mine that was getting his meals from back home, and one of his buddies thought it would be funny whenever you would dehydrate the meals, vacuum pack them. He would take like a sheet from a, a nudie magazine, fold it up, and put it inside the vacuum pack. So whenever he would open it up, there was a nudie picture in every single one of them. It was hilarious. So, oh, man. Um, a little bit different technology-wise from now until, you know, you kind of have seen the evolution of technology through your, you know, your hikes and your bike trips. Um, how do you see it, you know, beneficial? How do you, do you see it in any way negatively impacting the, the way that the technology is advancing? I think both. I mean, yeah, like on the AT, it was... Uh film camera which I took pictures with I sent the film over to my parents and they developed like 2,000 photos and I mean I remember dropping it and breaking it and having the buying disposable and my dad sent me his camera which I almost broke as well you know and that was you know it was paper maps and a camera um, I went to the AT and I got this thing called pocket mail and it was bigger than like your iPhones today and uh, but it would it was it opened up it was a clamshell and I had a screen, it had like four buttons on each side, and on the bottom was a full keyboard. So I would just lay there in bed, thumbing away like people do on their old uh, Androids or whatever, their Galaxies. And um, the Blackberry, that's what I wanted. And uh, I'd write messages. And you'd basically get to a phone, you'd dial in a number, you'd flip it open, it would pulse tone, send the, the what I wrote, and I sent it as an email to my mom, and then it would receive email. And it was, the, it was designed for like people in motorhomes, and it was great. And it was like, I loved it. You paid for the service. Um, and then... I didn't take a cell phone, and then when I went into the Sierras, thinking, "Oh, this has been no, snow. there's been like no snow, and it's been super dry. It's going to be fine in the Sierras." I mean, I, I had no ice axe, no crampons, and I, I, I mean, I might have carried my compass, but I never used it once. I Do you mean, remember what, what month that was? I entered the I left Kennedy Meadows on July, sorry, June second. That's the same day I left. It was it's like two weeks before the norm, and it was so there was no snow. Uh, and it was, uh, I mean, I got to the top of my, I got a chicken spring lake there in the night at Whitney, and there was a cold snap, and it was like 23 degrees at chicken spring lake, and I was just, every ounce of clothing on, and uh, I ended up at the top of Whitney, and I found some people, and I was like kind of quizzing, and I was like, you going all the way down tonight? And they're like, I found a couple who called my mother at midnight 
her time, you know, and said, Craig needs this, send it to here. So I got my dad to get me a cell phone. So if I was in place with service, I could call ahead and be like, hey, I need you to overnight this. And it was nice. I mean, I text people here and there, and I made a few phone calls, and I had learned about my buddy lost his wife while I was out there when I was up near um, Rainier area, Rainier, kind of that area, whole area. And uh, so it kind of kept me connected, and it was good, but, you know, it was still the paper maps, and it was fine. The CDT, I had the, you know, full-on iPhone 6 Plus or whatever it was, and gut hook all the way. And I am completely sold. Like, I don't even carry a paper map sometimes now, which is bad. But, I mean, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, unless, I mean, yes, you can drop your phone and smash the screen. You could be screwed. But um, I love the gut hook uh, whole apps. I actually kind of had the idea myself a little bit, and I saw they had done it. And I was like, well, I'm, Shout out to God, I, I missed that. Yeah, was, I love them. And uh, I actually wanted to see if I could, like, help them make one for the Tour Divide because it would be so sweet as a mountain biker. Because I had it with AZT. And they have the bike version for the CT, so that's nice. Um, but I did find, though, like when I'd be walking into towns like Anaconda, you get service like 20 to 20 plus miles out sometimes or on ridges and just blowing through data. And of course, now you have to keep the thing charged because you're running more battery. It was in, a town, in town, then on the way into town, you use the phone. Then you use it when you're sitting in town doing the research, and then you use it on the way out of town. So. In that sense, I always was going over in a lot of data, using up all the data, and uh, then you have to charge it a little bit more, and you know you have the big anchor, and you have to get like a quick charge. So in that sense, I see the negative. It it's, it, it became harder to disconnect and really be like, oh, I'm in the woods. Like all of a sudden, I, you just you're bored walking, which you know it happens. It's not always you know you know just glorious you know rays of sunshine. You're like, oh, I want to have service, and you get on some ridge, and you're like, you end up sitting down on a rock and talking to your buddy for a half hour. You know, and even though the phone like drops the call like four times, you still keep calling it back. You're like, maybe I should just, you know, hike. And you, you know, what I so, came here for. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's great because like for me, my phone is my camera, it's my navigation, it's my journal, and it's a phone. Yeah. It's like that's four things. I've just I got no more. I don't have to carry a GPS, I don't have to carry a phone. But I am finding that like you know when you as you see with the, the recording devices we have, you can't have the little fuzzy microphone on a. On a iPhone, you know, so you now you do you carry a different camera, but um, I do in that sense. I like the technology for that, but it does. You have to be really disciplined not to just be like, I mean, use this more than for documentation and navigation. So, but yeah, yeah, it's really difficult. I was like super guilty, always on you know texting, texting back home, or you know Instagram stories and or feed or whatever it is. It, it's really hard to find the right balance, and I know. I would know myself because I carried a lot of backup battery juice just so I would, you know, be able to make it from one town to the next. And I could tell um, whenever I got to one town that leaving the last town that I used a lot of battery because it was like, wait, this backup battery should have more. But I was leaving town and I was coming out and I was on my phone the whole time, you know, Googling this or talking to this person, doing whatever, and I was wasting my battery. And it was, it was kind of nice whenever I would leave town and as soon as I left town, I lost signal. That was the best thing that could actually yeah. happen to me. Sometimes you had to just pretend like there's no more signal. Like I, I walked right from the post office, like you know, there's no more signal. But yeah, it's it's hard. Are yeah. you pretty disciplined with you know uh, record keeping, journaling? How do you? Yeah, on the longer like trips, that? yeah, I didn't do it on the bike packing just because you know you get you know you're, I was up at like five five thirty and you know riding till like nine thirty ten at night. You just there's you lie down you're falling asleep you didn't do it but um on the all my hikes i do i, I journal and i've thought about doing more videos each day instead and 
So I in the bike I did a kind of video journal instead of writing, but like yeah. So I like doing the journals. I want to be able to go back and do it and uh, read it and and relive it and just have other people have an experience because that's you know a lot of people like say they love to live through you. And uh, one thing I have done with my journals for the hiking is I'll do it in the following year, the day that you know I started on whatever April 25th on the CET. I went back that's that that day the night before and I wrote my thoughts that I didn't write that day and because you're doing it each day you kind of can remember in your head and I and I so it's in my, if on my website it's in italics below it uh, and I believe I don't think that's on the 107 it would be on Adventures of Scatman which is the other site and um, then you can kind of see my post trail thoughts from one year ago and I usually do like a poster uh, an Instagram I repost the photo from the day before yeah. uh, oh, a yeah. year later and uh, I've done that every year too so it's kind of in that sense I like keeping the journal stuff yeah yeah I was I was so undisciplined with that and I, I had some friends who were really good at it I had some other friends who were just the same way as me just like so undisciplined um, but there's so much value that, that people get that's continued value you know I can look at my picture but I'm like ah, where did I even take that picture it's just another mountain Yep. You know, you just, you see a big wide open desert. Oh, I don't remember what I was trying to remember at that. Um, you know, since geotagged, you're kind of like... Yeah, where yeah. was this at? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned um, your other website. I know that you have some social media stuff, but I think that most of the hikers and bikers at this point have some companies that they need to, like, really help out because we've been so fortunate. Uh, you mentioned OR. And um, what are a couple of the other companies that are, are helping you out? Um, yeah, OR, I used to work for them, so they were, they're definitely one of them. Uh, they're a, a, a real big help. The other one used to be Ibex. Unfortunately, as we know, Ibex went to the wayside. They Did went, they get bought out? No, right they unfortunately went bankrupt, and someone said that there was a chance they were going to be bought by someone toward the end, and they weren't. And then I heard a rumor even after that said that someone said that they were going to like reopen it, but... Unfortunately, they didn't. So Ibex used to be a, a big name on there. Um, big Agnes now, those guys help me out as well. Um, there's dude wipes in there. Uh, let's see. By association through, like, Platypus and Seal Line from the whole Cascade families in there, but I've also gotten help through those guys because they, you know, working same office from the MSR group and Thermarest, like, you know, that whole thing. Uh, Jilbo Eyewear, uh, I've been kind of... With the, I say kind of, uh, um, they've been supporting me. Like, uh, you don't see me on their website, but they support me. You know, I call them up. They'll give me support with uh, sunglasses. Um, there's that. Uh, I had, let's see, I'm trying to think. Like, I should know these, like, off the top of my head right away. Uh, I should have pulled up the website. I know, pulled up the website. I mean, I got Camp Chef helped me out as well uh, with a stove and stuff like that and some, some actual camp stuff because I was going to, during the biking, I was... The plan was to live out of the, my truck, but my buddy who who will be doing the van build was like, hey, you know, you're going to stay in the house. So Camp, uh, so camp Chef was in there. I also got some um, Yeti coolers. They, I got a nice Tundra 70, 75 or 65 in the van, which is massive. It's an amazing cooler. So I have that out there. Those guys helped me out there. Carrie from K-Lite, he's an Australian company. They make uh, lights for the, the bicycles. They helped me out as well. Uh, then I had some help from um, the guys at um, over at uh, who was it? 
biking too. I'll get to that. But Feed the Machine, that was the other one, is my friend's company. He does all nutrition. So if you're a hiker who, you know, wants his pro bars or wants even, he's got all kinds of brands I've never even heard of. A lot of like super organic cool. and natural stuff, but he does everything nutrition and he, uh, they've got like free shipping over certain prices nice. like that. But it's called uh, Feed the Machine and he's out of like Santa Monica, California. And he's been, uh, I know him from my days when I used to work at Noon, which is Make the Tablets. Yeah. He's a old adventure, he's an adventure racer from the Dark Noon team. So that was pretty big. Um, and he's done that with a lot for them. Uh, Petzl's helped me out a couple times over the years uh, with some headlamps and done stuff like that. Uh, on the bike packing side of things, um, DT Swiss were able to uh, get me a couple set of wheels for Philip on the last race, uh, so that was really kind of sweet to have that. And um, and then my friend, he works over at uh, a place called the Gravity Cartel, and they do uh, most of it's kind of more the enduro kind of mountain biking thing. But uh, IXS, it's and Spank are both. Uh, I think they're. I want to say they're like Scandinavian companies, but they do, um, AIXS does clothing and helmet and all that. That's the helmet I wore and gloves and Spank, make handlebars. They, um, Spank, Spank? Just Spank. Oh, I was like, no. Spank, no, no, you, wait, you're my, what, what were you, my, now my photo's on there, but what's the other tabs in your computer right now? Um, no, it was Spank, by, uh, Spank part products, uh, but Spank, they do handlebars and things of the sort, and I used, uh, their Vibracore bar, which is like an aluminum bar. Because uh, everyone's like, carbon fiber, carbon fiber, and carbon fiber is good for vibration, but they do it in aluminum, which, it, but it has this, uh, a foam inside, and the foam death, uh, like it's like a dampener, like sound dampening that you nice. put in your van, and that's inside the bar, and like, I mean, if I, you know, after all that bike, the 27 miles on the Tour Divide, mm -hmm. maybe like the last, like the last eighth of an inch, quarter of an inch of my, uh, ring finger in my right hand that would be numb sometimes it was just yeah. simply because it was just a share it didn't matter the number it was just the share hours you were on greg, the bike greg arponte said the exact same thing but i think his was worse he should have had he should have been oh. up with those guys my buddy had uh, like a jones bar and uh from australia and he was he, he told me four months later he's like yeah i still have numbers in my feet and my hands Craig. and i was like um i'm all set like mine would go away overnight and of course come back uh defiant pack they're out of carbondale they do um Bike packing bags. They made my custom bag for Philip, so that was really nice. Uh, Gold Zero helped me out with as well with a few uh, their Flip 20s, which I think they've actually replaced the Flip 20 with a different um, model line. But it's a it's an external battery pack. Is kind it of a like, solar charge type one? Or? Uh, no, it's just you plug it into a wall okay. and charge it. And, and, and you know, there's different sizes of the 10, yeah. the 20, the 30. And I had the flip I had the flips going on there, and I used those for some juice on the bike packing. And then the local bike shop was uh, Basalt, Basalt Bike and Ski. They had given me some deals on bikes and stuff like that. So, But uh, that's kind of the list. It's kind of going back and forth. Like Ibex was in there. And some of them, um, it's weird. When I have sponsors, I um, when I get help from somebody once, and it's kind of like I go with a philosophy of I'm like the, 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 the lost puppy who just attaches themselves to you. Until you tell me, like, look, it's over or there's a statement, I'll, I might just call and be like, hey, you know, I'm doing this. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I continue on there. They're all really great companies. Yeah. And, you know, some I've done more than others. But, you know, I just still give them the same love that are on there. So yeah, unless I find a new one and there's a conflict, I, you know, I have to, you know, I'll change stuff. So Yeah, yeah. that's a good philosophy. I've had some companies that helped me out tremendously. Um, and I don't, I don't ever stop thanking them. And yeah. I think that it's, it's important that we give them the thanks that they deserve. Yeah. You've got some fantastic products. You've got yeah. some great companies. That yeah. And it, it's one of those things where I, I, I look at it too as like a sponsorship. It's kind of like a relationship, you know, like 
and uh, actually, I want to say I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go out there on a limb. We're, this is going to go. We're going to change the podcast a little bit to the more to the uh, N was it N N C seventeen or whatever, and. Uh, it's almost like swastikas are like sex in the sense of like people are like you've never had a one night stand, Craig. What you like? You never just hooked up with someone? I'm like, all right. So you can be the dude who goes out to the bar, spends tons of money, and is hitting on chicks every night. Luckily, gets that one chick, goes home, and gets laid for that one night. Great. And then you got to go do it again, all again, the next Friday. Or the other way is you go out and you date someone, get to know them, you get in a relationship, and then you get sex all the time if you're a good boyfriend or a good girlfriend. You know, the responsibility is the same way. You can go out and get one and just be like, hey, I just need a deal on this. Take it, you know, you know, chew and screw, as they say, you know, eating your food, boom, you're done. Or, like I've done, like somebody like Jobo, um, I'm not on their official list, but I, I continue to rep them. I continue to work with them and support them, and they've, you know, continue to, you know, support me on uh, on a level that's, you know, at least for them that works for them, and like, you know, it works for me. And I'm basically, you know, you'd say I'm bidding my time, but I'm building a relationship that is not just like super shallow. It's I want to work with you and I want to grow with you as you grow and I grow and I want to like, you know, move with it and continue the relationship so that it's not just a one and done because that doesn't help them. Like, it's probably easier for them to con- to retain a sponsor than to have to continue to go out and look for new people that they have to, that they know are going to promote them the way they want. So I look at it that way in the sense of, you know, go for the long term and not just the short. So try to really work with people and uh, some companies are respective and others are just like, you know, they take what they get, you know, and they're happy, yeah. so. And it's it's surprising how many companies are willing to help people out that are willing to give back to them. Like, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rep you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be all over Instagram. I'm a, I'm a speaker. You know, I have a website, a blog, a YouTube channel. There's a lot of companies out there that are willing to work with you. Um, and it's, I'm not going to say it's not that hard, but, like, just try. You just yeah. got to try. And oh, it's amazing, right? I mean, when I was, a, I was like 13 racing ATVs when I first raced ATVs. Uh, I raced for them from, like, basically that time of the Katahdin story to about the time I was 18. My dad goes, I was like 19. He's like, when I graduated college, he said, or high school, he said, here's your deal. I'll pay for four years of college, or you can race your foil for another year. And I said, huh, I'll take college. I got five years, and, of course, now I do nothing with it, like most of it, a lot of us can say, unfortunately. But uh, I had a choice, and uh, I would write to sponsors, like, hey, my name is Craig Fowler. I'm 13. I weigh, like, 130 pounds on this 400-pound bike, and, I, you know, I love your wheels. Like, you know, I get a deal. And I get, like, 10 15% off, and it's, like, all – and people are like – I get all these sponsors all on my bike, and people are like, how do you get all these sponsors, Craig? You know, like these, like, adult guys. I'm like, I just wrote them a letter and yeah. say, this is who I am. Back in the day, I would, like, list my results, and I, like, I was dumb enough to put, like, an asterisk and be like, my back was hurting here. Like, I made excuses. Like, now I know, like, just accept it. It was you, or, like, just leave it off if you were really worried about it, you know? And, uh, yeah, it was just funny, but I've been doing it since I was, like, 13. And it's like, now I'm 46, and I'm like, I've definitely, you know made it, uh, I've refined the process. I now know it's like, you don't write a huge paragraph or multiples, it's four lines. This is who I am, this is what I'm doing, this is what I can, this is what I want from you, and this is what I can do. And if they want to do more, you give them a link and you let them go check it out. It's like, people don't have time for it. So yeah, like anything, the process has been well refined. It's so funny how, because I have my own process for, you know, reaching out to companies, and it seems like the people who have processes are the most successful. Some people are like, oh, you know, I sent these people, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you put way too much thought into this. You know, mine is very, very structured, 
very brief. And I've been very successful. Yeah, if you haven't hooked them in that first little bit, they don't want to have to like go through it. Like if you've hooked them, they will continue. You can put more down below. Or they can go find it, but yeah, it's like don't Everything's waste this. Too long didn't read. Yeah, exactly. It's on 100 and what now? Actually, Twitter's now more than 144. It's like yeah. what 302, but yeah, it's like keep it simple. Like yeah. Um, all right, so we covered your future plans, covered your brand. Is there any other anything else that you want to talk about specifically? The the story from Hiker Town was fantastic. Anything else like that? Well, I mean, there is my trail name, like Scatman, but... Yeah, I didn't even ask about trail name. Um, well, the trail name is Scatman, and um, unfortunately, the full story for that one is, is a little bit long. It's not, I mean, but uh, it was... Uh, I'll just tell it. If we want to cut it out, we can. We're good. Uh, so Scatman's story was on the AT. I was at Blueberry Patch. I went in, I, you know, showered up, and... I remember showering and the undercarriage, we'll call it, was a little irritated because I hadn't showered in a week. And this is before dude wipes. Uh, chafe is real. And, you know, it was, yeah, there was some chafe from the pants, but there was, and there was also just some general chafe of, you know, just being unclean down there. So I remember going to town. I mean, I went, sorry, I went back to the trailhead to, to Dick's Gap there and I got dropped off and there was these guys in the parking lot unloading their car. And I couldn't tell, like, they were all hiking, or if one, two of them were hiking, it was like weird. And all five of them left the trail, and they left, and they were ahead of me. And I thanked the guy, this old guy, really cool old guy, who gave us a ride to the trailhead. And I started hiking, and I, it was kind of sprinkling, so I had a rain jacket on. Of course, you get too hot, and you got to start taking it off. But I had passed them, and as I passed them, typical through hiker, you know, first trail, I was already like, which is my. You know, I wasn't thinking like this is my trail, but I was like, they're section hikers, whatever day hikers. I won't see them again. So. When I stopped, they went that far back, they ended up catching me when I took my racket off because mm -hmm. I stopped and did something else. And then I passed them again. And like, I ended up passing them like, us, each other like three, four times, like three times. I get to the shelter, and there's this guy, Mr. Pat, there, and that was his trailer because his name was Patrick something or other. And uh, throughout, and M Mr. Pat and I were in the shelter, and uh, the two of the gentlemen showed up, and the, their names were Skipper and Steve, but they went and put their tents up. And skip sorry, uh, Mr. Pat and I are in the shelter, and throughout the night, the hike hikers do you know first we talk about you talk about what gear you like gear what like pack weight, and you talk about like what hurts right, <laughs> and I told them that my ass was irritated. We go to sleep and we wake up the next morning, and skipper like well that night, like they were like those guys had carried like Mr. Pat had. Every mail drop, like your friend had the new mm -hmm. pitches. He, Mr. Pat bought, like, he had 23 mail drops. He bought a whole bunch of um, Johnny Walker, and he had black, red, and blue label. Only a few of so. So he mixed them up in, in bags mm -hmm. and didn't know which one he got in which bag. He just got one at Hiawassee. So he shared some with them, and they gave me something like, oh, like, and Skipper's like, you're a northern Yankee boy, so you can put some, but we don't mind if you put some water in yours. And I'm over there, like, journaling, and I'm like, I'm right. And when they were looking, I tossed it. It was like, I, I'm not, I wasn't a whiskey drinker. I barely drank alcohol back when I was a kid, I was, and I didn't like it. And, uh, he, um, they were telling story. They had my maps out, and they had those, you know, those um, lanterns that you pull up, and yep. it's got glass. You slide the glass down. They both had the candle those, one. The candle one. They yep. had those guys had this. They had my map down. They were like Civil War generals, like planning out their hike the next day on the picnic table. And I'm over there writing, and they're drinking their whiskey. I mean, just good old boys. Like everything was a joke. And we wake up in the morning, and Skipper's like going to the shitter, or actually, Mr. Pat went to the, or someone went to the shitter, and Skipper's like. Mr. Pat, where are you going? He's like, going to the shitter. And he's like, what? 
He's like, there's a shitter. Mr. Pat's like, yeah, there's a sign right there. He's like, oh, hell, I shit in the woods. And he's like, and he starts going like, hey, Mr. Pat. It's like, when you're up there, why don't you bring me back some of that red-eye sausage? And we're like, what the hell is he talking about? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, Mr. Pat's like, what? And he's like, yeah, red-eye. And he's like saying, we're like, I'm like, this guy's a nut. Like, who is this guy? And uh, so I leave the shelter. And I'm like, see you guys later. I'm like, Mr. Pat's right. And I might see him later in the day mm-hmm. or that night. And I didn't know where I was going to stay. And I end up getting to a shelter and there was like one of these doubles and I was at the new one and I was watching some birds and uh, it was only like one and Mr. Pat shows up. He's like, hey, let's move on. Like there's a gap, Betty Creek Gap coming up. Like we can go stay there. Maybe there's water so we hike to it. We're getting our water. It's down to the left. I remember I come back up and as I'm walking back up to where we left our packs because there's a nice little rhododendron thicket where you can camp. I hear this whistling. Like, what the hell? And it's Skipper and Steve. They've busted out a 16-mile day on their second day. And I was like, so they could camp with us. They had such a good time. <laughs> so here we are. We all have our tents set up. And there's this giant log. And this log must have been like six feet long. And from the ground, it was probably three feet high. A huge tree had fallen. And it was right near the fire. So I'm sitting on it. Like I said, all the tents are set up. And we get our food there. And Mr. Pat's off to the right doing something. And all of a sudden, Skipper's sitting next to me. He's like, so, Craig, Mr. Pat tells me you have a problem with your schedule. What seems to be the problem? And I was like, I'm like, thanks, Mr. Pat. And he's like, no problem, Craig. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, well, I was like, yeah, my, my, you know, my, my ass is irritated. He's like, he's like, your scat hole is irritated. And I'm like, he's like, he's like, he's like, well, scat man, what are you gonna do about your irritated scat hole? And I was like. <laughs> Just like my scat hole, and he just kept calling me scat man. I was like, oh, I don't know. He's like, well, what do you have? In, what do you have for first aid products? Like, you know, what can you put on it? I was like, I don't know. I was like, let me think about it. And I was like, I had some gold bond powder for like chafing, you know, for like my feet. It was more for my feet. And uh, I was like, well, I have some gold bond powder in there. He's like, you have some gold bond powder? And he would like say it in this like southern accent. I was like, yeah. He's like, you gonna put some scat man? You gonna put some gold bond powder on your scat hole? And I was like, sure, why not? It can't harm. You know, it can't be a, you know be any harm. So. He's like, as I go in my tent, and I'm still wearing like shorts, I hadn't changed into my long pants yet, and I go in there to change, and I barely have the tent zipped up. I haven't even got my headlamp out, and Mr. Pat's like, hey, scat man, he's like, you looking at your scat hole right now? Because I told him I had a mirror, and I could check it out. And he's like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I haven't even got my trousers down yet, you know? So I like, I get the headlamp out, and I, I, I do. I, I went and actually looked at it, and I like took, took some gold bomb powder, and I told her like, like, how do you like lying down? How do you squeeze gold bomb powder or put it in your ass? So like, I just kind of threw it up there, and then pulled my underwear up real quick, and I, and I, and I was like, <laughs> I come out, and he's like, I was like, gold bomb powder fell on your scat hole, scat man. I'm like, it's a bit tingly. He's like, he's like, you're, he's like, your scat hole is tingly, and I'm like, that's tingly, and like, it's just making these jokes, and we're just like, oh my god, and we're like, are you kidding me? And uh, we go to put the food up, and they have so much food between the two of them. Because they, they give you a backstory. These guys each had the, the candle in. They each had their own tent, like two-man tent. Had their own stoves. Like, nothing was shared. It was just, like, unbelievable. Like, you'd think. They do this every year. And they give you an understanding, too. Like, their friends, when they were at the car, what they were doing was the two of them were going through their bags because their friends, over the years, played jokes. It's not nudie photos in the, in the food. Some years, it's they've slipped five bricks into one of their packs when they weren't looking. Like, have you ever done, like, the thing oh, on the trail? You hide the rock and whoever gets oh, it. I would just hide food. Yeah. I would put food in someone else's yeah. backpack. <laughs> we had a rock that we would pass around, and you'd end up finding it. And uh But they, and then another day, one of them found a 15-pound barbell in there. Like, they <laughs> friends had stuffed in there. So they're like jokers. Like, so, like, they have all this stuff. So we throw the bear bag rope up, and it took the three of them 
pulling on it, and me with a stick pushing it up because it was so heavy. We're thinking the thing's going to break, and we tie that thing up, and we're sitting around, and uh, Skipper's like, you know what? He's like, if that gold bomb powder doesn't work, scat man, he's like, I bet you that, you know, I bet you Mr. Mr. Steve, everyone became Mr. Now. Mr. Steve's got himself a big old Boy Scout first aid kit. I bet you there's some ointment in there like that we can put on your scat hole like that. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. He's like, because <laughs> I have the Nalgene back yeah. in the day with the duct tape. He goes, Mr. Pat. He's like, he's like here's what's going to happen. He's like, he's like, Craig. He's like, he's like, Steve. He's like, Steve's like, nope. And he's like, and he's like, all right, Mr. Pat's going to, Mr. Pat's going to put on my surgical gloves. He's like, you're going to tape them privates up with a duct tape. And I'm just like, the vision of putting duct tape on your privates and yeah. pulling them up to your stomach is just like, oh my God. I'm like, no. He's like, and then Mr. Pat's going to take some of that ointment. He's like, get one of those sticks from the fire there. And he's just going to dab a little bit in your scattle. And we're just <laughs> we're like, oh my God. We're like, are you kidding me? We're like, oh. and he's like, and he's like, and then he starts saying, he's like, oh man. He's like, I got two daughters at home like that. I shouldn't be talking like this. I'm a grown man talking about another grown man scat hole like that. <laughs> so we all go to bed. And we wake up the next morning. It's cold as shit. And we wake up and he's like, and he's like, hey, scat. And he's like, everyone's like, he's like, oh, he's like, Shazam, it's cold. I'm like, who says Shazam? And he's like, and he's like, do you ever watch Gomer Pyle? He's like, and like, and then he goes, Shazam. And like in mid Shazam, he stops. He goes, oh, he's like, How's that scat hole doing, scat man? We're all like, oh my God, back to the scat hole. <laughs> and uh, we uh, end up packing up and we leave. And we get to Albert Mountain, you know, and like, it's like... Mile 100. Yeah, it's like mile hand over fist. And I'm up there at the shelter and I, I hear someone coming. And he's taught me how to talk Southern. It's, everything is, uh-huh, and I reckon. <laughs> and I hear someone coming, he's like, hey, Mr. Pat, that's you? And he's like, he's like, no, he's like, it's Skipper. I'm like... I was like, you coming up? He's like, uh-huh, I reckon I am. He's like, you going to be up there, Scatman? I'm like, uh-huh, I reckon I'll be waiting right here for you. So up he comes, he's dripping sweat, you know. And he gets up there, and then we hear someone else. We're like, Mr. Pat. And he's like, he's like, no, nah, it's Steve. We're like, you coming up? Uh-huh. The whole repeat. And they're both up there just lying on the ground, like dying. And uh, we wait and wait, and Steve's like, oh, well, Mr. Pat stopped to take a dump. So he might be. So we ended up kept going. We went to, uh, what is it? Uh, Wyabold Tower. Is that next? No, next was uh, Rockfish Gap, yeah. and that's where they were getting picked up. But they were they had a schedule, mm -hmm. so they ended up they had like a cell phone or something like that. They ended up calling somehow and got and got the guy to pick him up earlier. As we we're waiting for the guy to pick him up, and Mr. Pat still way behind, um, they were lying there on the ground because earlier, just earlier, like I don't know if you remember, like seeing Dance with the Wolves when they shoot the buffalo and it just like runs into the ground and his legs yeah. are still moving as it crashes into the ground. Skipper was walking, trying to keep up with me at my like three and a half miles per hour. And I was like, and he just kind of into the hillside, did the same thing as the buffalo and just kind of <laughs> fell, like wouldn't stop walking. And they said so they were cooked. They're lying there like, and they've now busted like a 14 and a 15 mile day. So their two day hike, three day hike became a two day hike. Yeah. And uh, he's like, you know, Craig, I was telling you, I, I was going to, I was going to find a trail name for you. And um, he's like, he's like, I think I found one for you like that. He's like, you like Green Mountains. You went to Green Mountain College. So you could trail them. should be Green Mountain. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking Green Mountain. And, and to top it off, he's like, oh. He's like, and I was thinking last night when I was lying there in bed. And we're like, oh, God, no. He's like, if that gold bomb powder doesn't work and we have to reapply it, here's what we're going to do. And he's like, you're going like, to tape them privates up with that duct tape. Um, he's like... And I totally forgot. There was one other scene back. Uh, see, this I, I didn't tell it. I forget. There was one other scene back at the log because there was another t t duct tape. The other thing was 
the uh, first step before the, st the stick was, the giant log that I described, there's a reason why I described it, I forgot. Uh -huh. He said, he's like, here's what we're going to do. You're going to take them privates out of that duct tape. We're going to smash them on this log and that ointment. Mm -hmm. You're just going to slide on down and tie your scaddle. I stood up from the log. I looked at it. I was like, I was like, I was like excuse the pun, but that's a big-ass log, Skipper. I'm not sure I can spread my cheeks that far. That's when it became the <laughs> stick and the gloves. So I forgot about that duct taping and, the, and that whole thing. But So where we are at the end, he's like, here's what we're going to do. You're going to tape them privates out of that duct tape. He's like, Mr. Pat's going to put on surgical gloves. He's like, and he's like, you know, he's like, you know how the bear, Boy Scouts do a bear bag? He's like, yeah, they do one limb on each tree and they pull up in the center. He's like, well, we're going to do a version of that. He's like, we're going to take your bear bag rope. We're going to cut it in half. Skipper, Steve and I are going to tie one in each angle. We're going to pull you up in a big old Y. And he throws his hands up over his head. He's like, Mr. Pat's going to walk over the other surgical gloves and I go bomb powder. He's like, he's just going to sprinkle a bit on your scaddle. <laughs> We're picturing me upside down, you know, inverted, the, inverted duct tape balls, so they're hanging out of the way. <laughs> Mr. Pat's got these surgical gloves on, and these two grown men are pulling me up in a big old eye. And that was his master plan of applying the gold bomb powder to my scat hole. <laughs> so I left them. Mr. Pat never showed up. I got water, and I went up to the Weiler, 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 Weiler Ball. Yeah. And uh, I, um, I went to it, and I'm up there, and I met this kid, Seamus, and Seamus had just told me how he got Australian, which is... The uh, the sheep the sheep the sheep fucker story. Um, he's uh, like I was like oh my dad. He's like you see that bridge over there. He built that bridge. You think they call him Seamus the bridge builder? No. <laughs> you see that church over there? My father he built that. He's like you think I'm calling him Seamus the the mason? He's like you fuck one sheep. And yeah, that was his joke. And I was like okay. And Mr. Pat's there this time. And I tell him the story for the first time. The first time it was Gavin's story. And, and, and Seamus looks at me and goes, he's like, he's like, I don't really know you, Craig, but he's like, Green Mountain's a lame trail name. He's like, I think you should be the Scatman. He's like, yeah, you know the Scatman song? I'm like, no. He's like, well, he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, um, he's like, yeah, the Scatman song. The guy's used the Macarena do it. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, I was like, how does it go? He's like, he's like, be ba da ba da. And I'm like, he's like, I'm like more. He's like, da da pop pop. And I was like, no. He's like, yeah. It's like, be ba da ba da. And I'm like, I'm the Scatman. I'm like, yeah, I don't know it. And he's like, and I was like, so what do you think, Mr. Pat? Should I be Scatman? I was like, for the next four and a half months, I'll be Scatman. He's like, yeah, it's a funny story. So I became Scatman. <laughs> and uh, the, the icing of the cake was we went to Damascus. We're there. And uh, we're at the King Dairy, which was the Dairy Queen, which is, I think, on the left side of town at the end, on the way out as you come, like as you go northbound. At least it was back then. Yeah, there's like a gas station there, I think. Maybe. Now, it's, so. yeah, but it's like not yeah, that good. But it yeah. was the only place in town to buy ice. Yeah, so we get the ice cream and we're eating outside. And Mr. Pat comes out and he's still around. And he's like, hey. Scamming, give me some money. And I, I was like, why? Oh, I said, like, just give it to me. So I give him money. All of a sudden, on the speakers, like, because Dairy Queens in the back of the day had them, oh. and is the Macar is the B is the Scatman song, which was on the B side to the Macarena on the jukebox, and we sat there eating ice cream, listening to the Scatman song. But like, I ended up telling like that was where the guy Squiggy who lives near here. Uh -huh. I told them that story as I ate ice cream mm -hmm. again in Harper's Ferry, and uh, I think the best telling of it was when I was uh, with. At the, after 11 days of rain at the Sugarloaf mm -hmm. at the top of the mountain there was us seven through hikers there was a group of French Canadian Boy Scout boys like like 10 or 12 of them and there was a group of girls there as well um, 
And then there was like five section hikers. There was like 30 of us in this place. And the, and the, we had a tape. This is back. It shows I'm going to age myself. We had a, a cassette tape. Yeah. And someone, the guys had gotten it from this girl they stayed with. And it was the Blue Album from Weezer. Classic, you know? You know, Buddy Holly, the Sweater Song, all of those. Good album. And, and there, was a, there happened to be a tape player in the lodge that the ski kids left. So, and there was power. So we're listening to the album. And the old guy, old French guy, is like, our turn goes and turns it down a little bit. So we, one of us goes and turns it back up. Not ridiculously loud. And he's like, he's like, you gotta turn that shit off after the next song. He was all pissed. So I go and tell the kids my scatman story. But then, of course, I went one step further and I taught the 13-year-olds how to play fart tennis. And I was like, screw you, old man. So the whole night... They we went, played fart tennis, too. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 oh, yeah it's, <laughs> it's never gonna die. It's a tr it's trail lore. You play fart tennis. So I taught the little kids and they're like, and then they're like service. And I remember at one point I'm lying there and like my friend Byrne, who I won't see on this trip, she's in Tennessee. She's lying next to me. I hear one of the kids go, I want to be the scat man. And I was like, and I was like, you can't be the scat man. Oh, I'm the scat man. And she kicks me in the head. She goes, don't be an asshole, scat man. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I got trail named scat man. That's so good, right. man. So people are like, you're trail named scat man? I'm like, yeah. And I don't know of another scat man ever. So I'm happy that it's not like I'm like, you know, Pathfinder or something like that. Or, I shouldn't say that, you know. Yeah, there's some trail names that are, are very, very common. Yeah. Scat man is definitely not one that I've ever uh, encountered before. Yeah. So... The gold bond powder. What's your go-to chafe system now? You got the dude wipes. Well, I got to, well, to what's the gap when you leave the Smokies? It's uh, Standing Bear Hostels there. Yeah, like there. I went there, but I went. I, I walked down the road to a store that used to be off to okay. the east, to the west, and my aunt picked me up there, and she lives in... Murville, which as far as I'm concerned is Marysville, but it's yeah. Murville, Tennessee. <laughs> so I went and stayed with her, and I went to a store, and I bought these... Uh, they were mountain high wear shorts, and they have like a one and a half inch fleece that goes from one side of the leg up over the bottom of the crotch and down. Really? So like where your legs rub, it yeah. was like this little micro fleece. But I also had micro fleece on the, um, the band. On the band, I actually ended up there. And the shorts had the pockets were on an angle, so when you have a pack on, you could actually get shit into them. So I have shorts in the car where I bought them because the mountain hair stopped doing yeah. the fleece in the crotch, but they had the waistband and the pockets were different. I, I had a lady. I thought it wasn't going to be much money. I didn't want to spend a ton. She, I had three-layer Gore-Tex from OR because I worked in the government sector. We had all the camo. Mm -hmm. I had multi-cam pockets she put on at an angle, and then she put the fleece on the crotch. It was thicker than a micro-fleece. Mm -hmm. It's like 120 bucks. I was like, you realize these pants cost me like 70 Yeah. So it was like, but uh, yeah, so, and that completely eliminated any chafing. Uh, really? And uh, yeah. So that's a uh, good system. Yeah, but I mean, there were still times though. Like uh, we have a term. Like all the hikers have terms. Three pulling. Uh, three and pulling. Three pulling. So when you hike, you have two legs. We'll consider those poles, mm -hmm. and you have hiking poles. That makes four. When you, or it's when it's so humid, like today is going to be at eighty-five for me uh, percent humidity, or whatever it's going to be playing this golf. And you take two, your two hiking poles, you carry them in one hand. Now you have three poles, the two legs and the hand. Your other hand is covering your balls so that they don't rub your thighs and chafe. Yeah. That's three poling. And, uh, yeah, it was things like that. You know, it's like the, 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 the fleece helps, but there's still times you're just like, I wish I was wearing something like spandex to hold these guys out of the way. Because, like, yeah, it still happens, but only in the extreme heat days. But, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, we had yeah. some pretty warm days on, on the AT. Um, I had some chafe issues early, and then on the PCT, it was hot. It was humid. Oh, yeah. It was terrible at times. And we were of, you know, the first time that I encountered, that was the first time I ever had chafe in my entire life. And I'm 30, 
I was 34 at the time, and I was hiking with a guy who was a Green Beret, and I was like, dude, I got a problem. And it was like, I wasn't three-pulling to to uh, <laughs> keep my balls up. I was spreading the cheeks. Like everybody, you know, you can tell if someone oh, yeah. has chafe when you walk up behind them because they just reach back and they spread their cheeks, and they take five steps, and they spread their cheeks again. And I walked in, and I was like, bullseye, I got a problem, man. And he's like, yeah. I was like, I, I don't know how to ask you this question, so I'm just going to ask you. So I said, I have, I'm chafed really bad. He's like, where? I was like, in my butt crack. And he goes, oh, yeah, me too. And he just like thought nothing of it. And I was like, what do I do? And uh, Grin Barrett. he's like, he goes, you carry baby wipes. Baby wipe yourself at night. Clean the salt out of that area. And then he took two fingers. Like, you know how the, the British will like put the two fingers up, kind of like giving you the finger? Yeah. And he used the swiping motion, and he said, you got to grease your O-ring. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, you got to use gold bond healing ointment, not the powder, the ointment. Yeah. And once again, hand swipe up, grease your O-ring. And I can tell you, it's a fantastic system. Oh, that's it basically well. like, it's like a cyclist, you, you yeah. know, chamois cream. You just... <laughs> Yeah, you just get out there and, you know, boop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, the shaby cream. I didn't use it on my bike race. I actually have a broke saddle, and I um, the I used it on all of them. I, you're supposed to broke the, break those in for like 400 miles. Mm-hmm. I put a 40-mile ride on mine and went to Banff and rode 2,700 miles and broke it in. But it's um, I, on the uh, AZT, though, it was going to be so hot, I said, screw it. I, I am not... Um, I'm not uh, wearing a chamois. I wore uh, my Ibex uh, boxer briefs and a pair of like uh, Ferrosi shorts from OR, and that was it. I was like, wow. I don't want to be that. I don't want that sweat trap down there, like for two weeks in the desert. So I said, screw it. Yeah, yeah it was the, the 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 saddle was amazing. Dungeon funk in your oh yeah <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was the happiest thing ever. People were like, wow, you rode to the Brooks saddle. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no chamois. And uh, to the, uh, even now, I still ride it. But that seat, it got so wet in the air in the Colorado Trail. It rained seven out of seven days. Good times, and the seat basically you can't you can't tighten it when it's wet because it's not good for it the leather, and so it really my hip bones really dented out the the sit bones which means the center's higher so it really puts a little bit of pressure That's on right. the uh, boys yeah so I got to get a new saddle in yeah it was interesting to hear about some because I, I don't know any I know pretty much nothing about uh, bike packing and whenever I sat down with my buddy Greg and talked about his trip it was really interesting to hear about some of the 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 gear and the parts of the bike that he was you know that were new to me it was it was interesting. things like gas tank and jerry can these different names you have for for, <laughs> for bags on the bike exactly yeah and just yeah. the little tricks yeah it was, I mean it's not far from hiking but it's you know it definitely has its own you know niche things and but yeah it's just hiking on your bike that's the easiest way to describe it yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, all right, um, anything else you want to talk about, man? We've covered a lot for two people that did not ever see each other or speak. <laughs> uh, we're less than 24 hours since we first uh, spoke. Pretty much, yeah. It was like 3.30 or so <laughs> yesterday or whatever it was when I saw your text. So and actually, good. your messenger came through, and I, but, you know, they pop up my screen, and I'm trying not to be distracted by my phone or my yeah. new Dash thing. And, like, I was like, oh, there's an Instagram message. I didn't think anything of it. And you actually came up in the other section. Yeah. Which is, because you're not, a, we were at that we point. Sure, yeah. And uh, usually that's just lately. For some reason, I must have followed one thing, because my buddy, Scott, said, we, we go back and forth sometimes, and we can find the hottest chick sometimes. We send a, <laughs> we send a link, go and check her out, you know. <laughs> Typical guys, you know. And I, somehow I get these bam, these spot bam, you know, people, and you were in the mix of them. I was like, oh, that's actually a, not a human. I mean, that's a human. Actually, a human that, person. not a computer going, check this link out, you know. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm glad I saw it. But that's yeah. cool, man. Um, no, I, I mean, 
for like the, the, the whole project um, for me and what I've been trying to achieve, like I, I worked at a plant nursery this summer and up in Massachusetts and I wasn't used to the humidity. So I didn't do a lot. Uh, I went to the, the, those few talks and I kind of spread the, you know, the word that way. But I mean, I think the biggest thing that I like to leave people with, you know, again, like we talked about earlier, I've done all these crazy things. And if people go from this, you know, when they see my website or the Instagrams or uh, any of the social media stuff, they're like, wow, this guy does amazing stuff. It's like, you know, just be you and, uh, you know, use it as a sense, as a, as a, use it as a point of reference to see what's possible out there and what, you know, or just ideas of things that you might want to do yourself and really just like the, my, um, my four, you know, core values are just, you know, know who you are and know what you want and, you know, don't let anything stop you from doing those things, you know. It's easy to make excuses of why you're doing something and we talked earlier and I think, you know, one of the worst things I ever hear when I'm on one of my adventures and I see people or afterwards, they're like, Oh, I'd love to do that someday. I almost want to like just strike the word someday from the vocabulary of, of people or just in general because someday usually equals never because it's just a pipe dream. It's like, don't say that. Make a plan and say, I'm going to go hike the Grand Canyon. I've always wanted to do it. And just pick a date on the calendar and go and make it happen. Um, someday should never come out of your mouth when you say that, when it's, you're talking about a dream, because it will always stay a dream. It will never become a reality if you sit there and say, someday I'm going to do this. So just keep that in mind when you catch yourself doing that. I'm going to say, I'm going to do that someday. No, I'm going to do that Sunday instead of someday or whatever it is. Next month I'm going. Yeah, just make it happen. Uh, if you ha- if you have the willpower, you will make it happen, and that's what it comes down to. That's a good philosophy, man. I really yeah. like that a lot. It's like how bad you want to do that someday. How bad do you want it? Yeah. Do you want it bad enough to commit to a date? Yeah. Or have those bad choices like yeah. I can stay in my tent and not do miles and starve because I run out of food, or I can walk in rain for the next 24 hours. You have an option. You just don't like either one, but you're going to have to pick one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I uh, this was so awesome. This is. Uh, it's it's so good for me to sit down with like-minded or similar-minded people, but people with just inspirational and motivating stories. So um, before we finish, just do me a favor, if you would, and give off a list, if you would, of your social media, your website, your blog. They're all there. There's a bunch of them, but I want to make sure that we make that we get that all out there again. Yeah. So the main website is one of seven project. Uh, dot com and it's the words one of seven so it's o n e of seven spelled out project dot com and then I should be smart and just go and buy the URL that's the numbers and which I haven't done yet but for now one of seven project dot com is the website I also have adventures of scatman which is an older site which is still active it has all my journals from the hiking on it and uh, has a bunch of other blog posts and things on the sword on it as well. And you can read the Scatman story, I believe, there and on the One of Seven Project. So those are the two websites, adventuresofscatman.com and one of seven project.com. Um, I have Instagram, which would be the words, again, One of Seven Project, the whole thing, all together in those spaces. Um, there is a Twitter for One of Seven, which you can't fit the characters, but if you start typing in One of Seven Project, again, written out, you will eventually pop up. Uh, and then there is also, let's see, I'm drawing a blank. There's a YouTube channel as well. I'm trying to think what social media, because uh, <laughs> some of them I, I don't use as much as I should. Yeah, so I have an Instagram. The big ones are the uh, Yeah, ones. I have the YouTube. There's, so there's YouTube, again, one of seven. There's Twitter, and there's Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page as well, as which is one of seven, which a lot of the um, photos from Instagram go as well. So you can sh- uh, go and like that page as well. So. so. 
Cool. Yeah. So there's no reason that people can't find you on no. any social media platform. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all there. Yeah. All right, man. I I hope that uh, your time spent here, short but brief, was uh, worth it for you. I really appreciate you coming and hanging out. No, it was a blast. Uh, this was so fun. I love this format. It's yeah. perfect. Uh, sitting in the sitting in the in the in the easy chairs and just talking. Yeah. I mean, if if, if anyone listening hasn't figured out by this point in the podcast. I can talk, so and I, I and I love to talk about my passions because that's you know like I said we've talked about that's what makes me me so yeah, yeah gonna be proud it. of it yeah I love it man this is this has been really good I really appreciate it and we will definitely be following you I will continue to follow you and hopefully there'll be some more people uh, that learn about you and are inspired by you and what you do and yeah. they get out there and and start doing their own thing yeah. the way that they should well cool yeah and they said if anyone wants to uh, have me come and do a talk about whether it's hiking or the bike packing or you know the how-to's of how to get into bike packing and things like that or you know who knows motivation for tips and all that i mean i'm more than happy to uh come and see you uh, i'm on the road hopefully i'll be on the road a lot with the vans done and uh don't hesitate to reach out there is a um you can email me at info at one of seven project.com and that will go to my inbox and you can um talk to me there and awesome. yeah or the contact page on the website. There's one of those, too. There's no reason not to be able to get a hold of you. That's right, yeah. <laughs> unless, I, unless I ignore the phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Thanks. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. I still can't believe that I was able to score that interview. Um, Craig and I sat down, just talked like we were best friends the whole time, nonstop. We had such a really good connection because of that through hiking and the the, the lifestyle choices that he's made um, that have afforded him the opportunity to live the life that he does, which to me is just absolutely incredible. And I'm jealous and envious and proud of him on so many levels. Um, reach out to him. He is such a great person. Obviously, if I was able to get an interview with him in less than 24 hours, he is just the kind of person who wants to see other people succeed. He was more than happy to come out and help me with this this project that I'm working on with the podcast. And it really did, once again, helped me to make that connection and keep me headed in the right direction because it's been such a hard transition for me to get from you know living Pacific Crest Trail life finishing up the PCT and then getting home and getting back into a normal-ish life. Um, but reconnecting with hikers has been one of the big things that I've done because I'm not getting out hiking like I should. Uh, I really need to start doing that. Um, but I was able to record another episode already with a pair of hikers. So this, the next pair uh, that came and sat down with me were... Kevin Grumman, also known as Space Jam, and Nandi Singleton, who is known as Sea Lion. They just finished the PCT. And I, I met Space Jam last year whenever I was doing trail magic with my friends in Pennsylvania, the guys that I did the AT with. We did some really, really cool trail magic, which I'm super pumped about already for this July um, so you guys better be ready for it. Uh, wheels and bullseye and kid and no, um, I met space jam there. He held the record for the longest tenure at our, our trail magic. And I got to sit down with him and his girlfriend, sea lion, also known as Nandi 
very, very cool. This was such a, a such a good opportunity to catch up with him because the whole trail he was behind me. Um, they were they started about three weeks behind me, and we just never were able to meet up on trail, unfortunately. But I got home. I realized that they live like fifteen minutes from me, and I kind of felt bad. And I realized, dude, I got to hook up and talk to these guys and just see them. And that was the first time I met Sea Lion. Those two sat here with huge smiles on their faces, and it was really good to sit down with them. So um, the next episode features those two. It turned out really, really good. I'm really happy with it. So once again, I got to thank Craig Fowler for coming out of his way to come and sit down with me for just a couple hours, but really, really great meeting him. I'm certain that this will not be the last time that I talk to him. Just such a good person. So follow him. Um, He was under the One in Seven Project or One of Seven Project. I don't have my notes in front of me. But um, Craig Fowler, fantastic person. I can't thank him enough. So next episode with Space Jam and Sea Lion is already recorded. And Joe is working on editing everything. Joe, Corey, also known as Quake, is a wonderful human being. So I got to thank Joe. If I do that more, the more I'll do it, the more he deserves. He's just awesome. So, all right. Thanks everybody. Take care.